Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right, yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Just turn the recorder on. Do it. Bing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial, where the recorder is always on. I guess it was. <laughs> I thought you had to do something else. Hey. No. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to say, hey, welcome to Saturday oh, Morning Serial, okay. but it's like pulling fucking teeth with you people. I get you. I get you. Right. <laughs> I, I saw on um, Sideshow. By the way, I'm oh, uh, Dan Grinchet. <laughs> The man who won't stop talking to you, that's Marky. You might recognize him. Uh-huh. And joining us, our very special guest, our, our old our old friend from before Comic-Con, yes. but still a Comic-Con friend, Slick McFavorite, are you there? Right. Hola, buenos dias. Or I should say, buenos noches. <laughs> it is noches. <laughs> it, it is noches here, and it's probably noches when, when you're listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> only hip cats listen to this. Yeah, well, it's also, this is the primetime special Comic-Con. This is is our Comic-Con preview show entitled Saturday Morning Serial Comic-Con Alternative Show. At night. (laughs) Primetime. After dark. dark. (laughs) So that's that's what you just stumbled into, dear listener. <laughs> yeah, here we are, and we're and we're talking about it, and uh, we're all we're old friends here, so mm-hmm. we just start uh, ranting and raving. And uh, now that we're officially on the record, I want to go back right to what we were saying. Slick, you went to Joe Con, and then PowerCon, and then PowerCon, which is the He-Man convention. We already covered all the possible jokes, everybody. So moving right ahead, <laughs> then he drops his bombshell on us. End of the line for the toys? What? That's what people are thinking. They haven't released any news past past what they've revealed at Toy Fair, which is incredibly rare for them. Um, They actually attended PowerCon. They sent sent a package designer and and a product designer that actually did this year's Comic-Con exclusive for Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. And it's not classics. It's a... Was it all in new, black? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the opposite. It's okay. all in pink and gold. It's, what? Uh, oh, she It's a Barbie style. She and, yeah. and I shouldn't say Barbie style. It's a super articulated doll. So it uh-huh. has clothes and stuff like that. So some people are excited for it. Most people aren't, and they just haven't released any news about the main line, the Masters of the Universe classics. 
and for the first time, sorry, in the first time in eight years or seven years, there's not a master's panel at wow. Comic-Con this year. Yeah, like, writing's on the wall, man. Yeah. 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 So, but there's been no official announcement. Yeah, no official announcement. Well, plus, what, plus, what else is going on in the Masters of the Universe like like world? I mean, is there uh, is there a no, cartoon or a movie? No cartoon, there's no movie. There's no. There is a movie. There is a movie. Mo- yeah, there's a movie coming. Dolph Lundgren. Um, <laughs> I wish. I me too. <laughs> yeah. is it, who is it's it? So old. Uh, Please don't be the Rock. I've had enough uh, of him. No, okay. it's some unknown guy right now that they're talking to at least. He's the one that actually tweeted out, like, oh, I'm talking to the people about a Masters movie. Oh, but, he's already spilled the beans? Yeah. Uh. But I'm sure that I'm sure it's controlled. I'm sure he asked, you know, can yeah. I say we're meeting about this? Uh-huh. Um, they've been talking to somebody uh, for a possible role of She-Ra as well. So in the same movie or different movie? I, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if they're going to try to combine them or not. That'd probably be a pretty bad idea, but who knows? But they go. They everybody's trying to set up uh, like cinematic universes. Yeah, yeah, that might be biting off a little bit more than the masters' property can can chew right now. I think that. Yeah. Well, um, and they've been trying for years. I mean, they there has literally been announcements of writers of a script and then, oh, no, now they're not going to write it. And uh, it's moved studios twice already. So, I mean, they keep trying this. I mean, this Masters really is a brand the way ha- uh, the way Transformers is a brand for Hasbro. Mm-hmm. So they want to try to capitalize on some of that reboot, nostalgia, nostalgia. Yep. yeah. That yeah. built-in audience where you can, you know, you would hope you can guarantee, a, you know, at least a, a baseline. Yeah. yeah, and then and then they bring in their kids basically, exactly. you know, to kind of keep it feeding. Yeah. I, I saw and then those on, kids are supposed to buy the toys, but now right. it looks like it's rotting from the inside. Yeah. So what'll happen is if they can get a movie, then they can get toys in stores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and. Um, you know, I I do remember it wasn't that long ago where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were kind of gone for a little while too. Yeah. And and now yeah. they're you know I don't even it wasn't just because of the new movies although I'm sure that that that's what really kind of propelled it even further. But you know there was a new animated series that came out a couple years ago mm-hmm. and then they and got the movies and it's still going strong. Yeah. It's it's actually yeah. my one of my daughter's favorite shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's actually good. You know, a lot of yeah. these, a lot of these cartoons they've produced. Um, while I didn't not like it, they did a Thundercats uh, reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a Voltron reboot right now. It's on, it's Netflix. on Netflix right now. Yeah, it's oh, like, it's yeah. really good. It's really or, good. I've been I've actually been watching it. Uh, it's, it's it's great. I think. Yeah, yeah. and I enjoy it because. The one gripe I've heard is people think it's too anime. It is like the like the stories and all of yeah. that kind of stuff. But I'm I'm an anime fan, so I, it can't yeah. really be too anime in my opinion. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> well, it has anime roots. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't. It? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah exactly. It's originally a Japanese cartoon. Yeah. That, this that this is this, this, that was always like the Specter Man of cartoons for me when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was always that real Japanese. 
you know, kind of cartoon. Like, you know, Transformers transcended the ocean to me. <laughs> that, <laughs> to me, that was an American idea, even though it probably wasn't. But yeah, it was uh, yeah. off from exactly from Takama. <laughs> and then, but um, not nearly as American as GI Joe. No, that's very American, obviously. Yeah, yeah. but but not nearly so ubiquitous as Star Wars. Yeah. Speaking of which, all four of those properties put together make up. Open your toys. <laughs> Open your toys podcast, which is where we're borrowing slick from today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, just to reset because we're all talking about Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually wanted to ask you about that too because there's always a yearly He-Man fan club dinner thing going on. Is that is that going on at Comic Con this year? Um, I don't think so. I have it, no. It must not be because I. Eh, I even attended it with I, you yeah, once or I twice. Would have received. I bet you anything the guy that runs that he's he's the guy that runs uh, heman.org. Uh-huh. I bet you he's not attending or something. He's just all depressed. Yeah, cuz usually <laughs> he he sends out PMs to all the members. Um and I don't remember receiving one. Well, I'm it. Be, because of you, I'm I was in that that mailing list and you're right, I haven't seen anything. Yeah. 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 And I noticed, I don't know if you've heard anything different, but I didn't I didn't catch that Star Wars Action News was doing their fan club breakfast. Uh I didn't see that either, but that is that has become a thing that it like sells out in two hours now. I know, but they I were to be an insider now to They were just in yeah, maybe London not though. even announcing it now. They yeah. were just in London though. I mean I think that's probably what kind of screwed it all up. And it, and it could be. I know they're going to Comic Con, but yeah, you're absolutely right. They very, with it being so close to celebration, they very easily could be skipping the the breakfast. Well, there there was almost no uh, Star Wars presence at Comic Con last year at all, right? Except for the major panel, which had you know Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, and then they did this big surprise. Symphony Orchestra concert on Saturday yeah. night. I mean, it, it turned into like this huge deal. And you know, like last year, um, I I gambled and I took the roundtable interview with Mike Tyson instead of standing in line for the Star Wars panel, mm-hmm. and it cost me. I I could not get in, <laughs> and so of course I was disappointed because you know I'm of of the biggest of Star Wars fans. And um, so my uh, so you know I was feeling a little down, but you know I I had such a good time and it was it was it's tough it was to fine. get into those holidays absolutely holidays and I was pulling as many strings as I could and I just could not figure it out. Um, but then um, I was there with a friend of mine and you know we were just chilling and it was already that was like it was the panel before Kevin Smith I believe I think Kevin Smith was yeah. going to close it. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I bet he played to an empty room. So what happened oh, was, yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so what happened was me and my buddy, like, we're just chilling because this is basically the end of the of the day. And we're just chilling and we don't even know what, you know, we're going to go out and have some drinks, have some dinner, maybe listen to the live symphony music that's in the Embarcadero for the San Diego Pops. They always do something really cool. Like they'll do like um, Nintendo music or the music of Star Trek, 
one year they did the music of Star Wars, you know. Um, so it's a totally, it's the San Diego Symphony, and they play this music. It's out in the back. It's wonderful. It's one of the best things about Comic-Con, and you get to chill and listen. So we were just, we walked behind the convention center. Those of you that have been there, you know what I'm talking about. We go down those long steps, and we're just chilling, and we see this crowd of people coming around the corner walking, and they're led by stormtroopers. They're led by you know, mm-hmm. Star Wars people. And as yes, as it turns out, these were the people that after that, um, after that panel, everybody was given a, a lanyard with a pass to go to get into the Embarcadero Symphony Orchestra area. It's, it's you can totally hear it because it's outside, but it's, there is a gated area. And everybody was invited, famously, by J.J., mm-hmm. to go to this concert. And so we, everybody in the yeah, panel. Everybody in the panel was invited. So there are still yes. sneeches with stars and then those of us without stars. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. So, so we're just, like, watching this, and you know, which is still you – know, it's still fun, I guess, to, you know, just to watch this whole thing happening. All these people walking. They're all excited, and I'm just, like, totally left out. And so we go. You know, everybody gets into the thing, and we're just chilling there. And as it turns out, Verizon is outside, and they're sponsors of this thing because every single lanyard has Verizon on it. And as it turns out, if you have a Verizon phone, you could go to the booth and get VIP passes, you and your buddy, to get into this Star Wars concert, and they'll give you each a $20 food or drink coupon voucher. (laughs) So my buddy and I end up getting into this thing. Plus, we both we we pulled our funds and got a full bottle of wine. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, so we go up. We're at the Symphony, uh, Star Wars. Mark Hamill's in. You know, he's there. Harrison Ford's there. Carrie Fisher's there, playing the oboe. Yep. And we even got. Uh, if you ripped off the bottom edge of your of your lanyard of your of your badge, I guess you get to turn that in and you get a a lightsaber. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so I mean, everybody had lightsabers. Every, you know, everybody was rocking. Everybody had a good time, and you know, I was down because I missed the panel. But you know, I got to watch that on YouTube later or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And then I got to attend this thing. Well, that's so, a wine, a lightsaber, and yeah, some physics. Everything worked out. Boom! That's awesome. Yeah, that, so that was all last year. So yeah, yeah, so that was last year. It was last year. I don't know what right. to expect this year. Yeah, I guess let's talk about this year. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so there's gonna there's there's gonna be a little bit of Star Wars there. I have not heard about any Star Wars panel. Have you? Yeah, uh, the breakfast there, is missing, but what? Yeah, yeah, there's a panel. There is not a panel. Yeah, Whoa. I didn't think so. I think yeah, they uh, with I, no again. I think it's or? with uh, uh, no. I think with it being so close to celebration, mm-hmm. and then the big thing that everybody keeps expecting to happen, the same way it <clears throat> happened with. Uh, Marvel is they move that stuff to D23. Yeah. To their own like little personal convention. Uh, yeah. convention. So I yeah. will, now I, I know I know I have I know that there is not a panel because I, there there was a slot that they thought it would fall in and they announced a different panel for that slot in Hall H. Do you know what it is at that different panel? This American Life from NBO. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the rest of the story. Garrison Keeler. That's so funny. I even love This American Life. And when you said that, I totally thought uh, my so-called life 
Like a, a, a reunion. Get them all together again. Yep. Jared Leto has incredible pull now. I was going to say he could be there. Right? I assume they're doing a suicide squad panel. But yeah, hey, up until a few minutes ago, I assumed they were doing a Star Wars panel. I don't know what the hell's going on down there. Well, I'm sure Star Wars is still going to have a huge presence. They're probably they're, and there's there's still the Lucas Pavilion because I'm already I was getting. Say, yeah, yeah, I mean I they're still going to get there's. I know. Um, I, I I cannot wear watches, and I cannot even wear a, a wedding ring, um, mostly because my wife left me. <laughs> I'm like, this is a holiday for me to find out. I'm single, ladies. That's all I wanted to do. She took my fingers. <laughs> no, uh, I, I just um, – it's like a carpal tunnel thing or whatever. I, I, have, very, you know, I, have, I have small wrist, big – Fat, awesome hands, but small wrists. <laughs> and so um, I cannot wear watches. Um, I can't for like 10 minutes and my wrists start to hurt. But they're, um, Nixon, you know, they're famous for like their surfing kind of watches. They're, they're really popular here. I don't know if they're popular in Denver. Slick? Are uh, they, are they out there? Yes. I, okay. Well, I, I'm not a big watch guy, but yeah. – uh, I have a Nixon watch. Yeah. They're, well, look at they're that. Awesome. That's, that's as popular to me. Okay, exactly. <laughs> and now they got the Star Wars license last year. Maybe it was two years ago. And, you know, I see them at, like, the surf shops or whatever, and they're awesome. You know, they're they're but they're usually big-ass watches. Big just, old, just laughing big, at you yeah, and your lady just, wrist. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> and I just crook my hand and I walk away. <laughs> and but and so but this year they have this badass one. It's like the Chewbacca version. So as you can imagine, the actual band of the watch is the Bandolero. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, makes and sense. It's fr- and it's covered just, in brown fur. I don't think it's furry, but <laughs> I, I assume the whole thing is supposed to be a bandolero on your wrist. So I'm yeah. thinking that's probably got some leather accents on the on the faceplate. That's that would be my guess. But it, from from the picture I saw, it's just gorgeous. So you know, so and it said in the Lucas Pavilion, you know, is where you can yeah. get this thing. So I'm assuming they're going to be there. Probably those. The weird car decal guys are going to be there, you know, where you can decal your car. Uh, EFX is going to be there. They're the ones that make the high-end replicas, you know, mm-hmm. the helmets and the models and things like that. Hallmark is going to be in there again with their ornaments, oh, right? Never um, too soon. Nope, nope. Um, Petco might be there again. I don't know for big sure. Big player in the Star Wars They galaxy. have been lately. Yeah, the last four years they've had a big presence there. Um, and uh, I can't think of... You know, oh, uh, there's but, the, uh, what's that? Oh, I, you're specifically talking about the pavilion, right? Yeah, I'm just talking about that. I'm just talking about who might. He's what, trying to suss out all the Star all the Star Wars, Wars related stuff. Let, no, let's just get that out of the way. Be able to stand in line for a panel, but you can buy your your lightsabers and your uh-huh. stormtrooper helmets. It's, there's, there's Delray Books always has a big. You know, they they have a lot of the authors there. They announced at celebration last uh, last week that there's going to be that. Well. Spoiler alert, everybody! If you haven't seen the season three trailer for Rebels, uh, you know, come on, everybody! Oh, knows. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's do, actually on my watch later list. Well, but it's like, do you? I, I, I know. Later. I know who, who the spoiler is, so I did see. That. Okay, Admiral Thrawn, uh, yeah. blue-faced military genius, Admiral Thrawn from the Timothy Zahn trilogy. Mm-hmm. He he made it. He's he's now going to be canon. So now he's canon again. He's going to be canon again. Oh, isn't that yeah. nice? Yeah. 
and uh, there's a novel coming out about him that's going to support the, the the show, I assume. So, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of Star Wars there, but it's not, you know, I think we got lucky last year because of the movie and because it was trying to launch to, you know, it was trying to awaken again. No, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, did. but uh, it's just, I don't think it's going to be like that anymore. And that that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I I can love it as a, and, a, and and hey, there's a good chance we've all got a little bit of Star Wars fatigue now. Maybe mm-hmm. we don't need to buy any more, see any more Star Wars for a bit, which means we could use an alternative. Mm-hmm. Marky, you know anything else? Maybe a little off the beaten path. People who've had enough Star Wars might be able to go check out. Well, what I was thinking too is that there's there's plenty of special effects, you know, heavy um, uh, fantasy. And a little bit of nostalgia. And one of the panels that came across my way was the Through the Looking Glass. This is like the... Oh, the new Alice movie. Exactly. This is the the Alice in Wonderland sequel. It's not by Tim Burton, but it's going to be in the same style of Tim Burton. Yeah, I think he's like executive producing or something. His hand is in there. His hand is is in there. there. He's the Mad Hatter. Yep. The cast is returned. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they brought in uh, Halion... Am I getting uh, that right? Uh, Halon. 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 Um, Halon. Halon. And Halon. they are the visual effects team that did the effects for this movie. And if you go to the website, mattypradio.com, uh, I put up an yeah, article about this. There. And I even there's even some, some uh, video of the trailer, which plays, oh, my God. It plays that. That that Alice in Wonderland song from the '60s. Um, oh my God! Uh, uh, one Alice, pill makes you here. nauseous, uh, oh. and one uh, pill makes you small. Uh, and old uh, Jefferson Jefferson Airplane uh, Airplanes. Yeah, Starship, that one. Uh, no, <laughs> Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> anyway, it's the damn song about Alice in Wonderland, and so it's this awesome trailer with Jefferson Airplane. Or Fleetwood Mac. Or it might be Fleetwood Mac. But <laughs> the song is so awesome. And anyway, check out Maddie P Radio. It's on there somewhere, I promise. I put it on there myself. And these guys, every effect that you see in that trailer, every amazing effect, these guys are going to be at the at a panel on Thursday. So if you got tickets uh, in like room A, one of the big ones. It's a ro- it's the it's, it's the room C D E F or whatever, Spiller. What what is what is that one? The room what? I'm sorry. It's like the room. Um, I think it's like room A, and then they just keep it's adding like, B and C and D to it. Or something. okay, so right. there's there's hall H, there's ballroom twenty, and then there's room like D E B. You know, it's like the third biggest room. I just I don't remember what it's called like off the top of my head. Yeah, and I think it's where they combine them. I think it is like yeah. room A B C or something like that. But yeah, yeah it's I, this I, big ass room. I don't know. Yeah, so, so yeah, if you anyway. do want to go stand in line, do something a little mainstream that's not Star Wars, you can go check out the uh the visual effects panel. This is the alternative show. Us. We're gonna keep you we're gonna steer you away from Hall Age. Yeah. And this but is the one to do. Be, you still wanna be for there for something big, something yeah. crazy, big effects. This is the one. Billions of dollars worth of whatever. Yeah. This one's for you. Now, for those of you that can make it, we got a preview for you. For yeah. those of you that can't make it, this is as good as you're gonna get. <laughs> We actually talked to the guys. Until it's, that are, until it's released on YouTube. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we actually talked to the guys that made this thing, that are hosting the panel, that did the effects, um, and I think we should let them talk. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we've had our chance, and we can't get a word in. So you know what? Let's hand it over to, uh, to well, Dan and Mark E. talking to Tef Smith and Ed W. Marsh. Magic Interview Machine, take us over there. Okay, Mark, I'd like you. We've got uh, Tef and Ed with us. Hello, hello. And, oh, and everybody, Hi, I'm Dan. Right. I have to warn you guys, I have a bit of a cough. I'll try and mute whenever I'm going to cough, but I might not do that fast. Oh, that's oh, uh, very uh, conscientious of you and sanitary. Well, we'll just send it to uh, special effects. Uh, we'll just whip that right out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll have our SFX boys uh, just clean that up. Don't don't you worry <laughs> don't about you it. Don't you worry about it. We'll have it sound like a gargoyle. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we are talking to uh, some special effects whizzes, visual effects, VFX. What do they? What do the kids call it now? Uh, visual effects. Yeah, v, uh, no VFX. V, uh, VFX. This is a digital world. Everything's in acronyms, and everything's yeah, it's it's all VFX. Well, I, I just remember FX and FX two, and it was good enough for yeah. me then. Why? Why do we now need these computers and 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 dinosaurs and such? Explain. We really don't. We we don't. We could just grab you know toys and just you know move them around in old fashioned way and take Polaroids of them. Yeah. Well, all right, all right. See so now now you're appealing to my cranky old spirit. <laughs> Maybe so. No, no. We are. Spe- uh, the, you guys, you guys are responsible for the visual effects in Alice Through the Looking Glass. What we're talking about here. Correct. And that is no slouch. No. Yeah, I'm pretty. I know there was even you know practical and digital effects, but come on, to get that world, that must have been a lot of VFX, I guess. Is that billions of dollars or something? How do you do that? Well, I, I feel we should we should at least add that we are two of a team of easily a thousand people who touch the film ultimately, and uh, well, we've already you know, talked to the others. It's all right. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say that it's uh, it's an amazing process. But like Ed was saying, I mean, it, there's so many uh, great people attached to it that it's uh, it's just the the collaboration that you have working with the director and working with the creative team. It just makes it so much fun when you have a world that you are legitimately creating from scratch and something like Alice and creating a whole new world within the wonderland uh environment was just such a it was a magical experience i mean it was a lot a lot of uh you know input creative uh exploration and uh collaboration i mean it was just a lot of fun yeah how much how much influence and and or 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 rather freedom do do you as the uh, fx team have like you come back to the director later and say, all right, I know you wanted a blue and green tree, but we worked up this purple fuchsia elevator instead. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start up and then I'll have Ed add a couple stories. I mean, for, for us, I mean, we did, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we were doing was the previs and figuring out and exploring the ideas in a fast way. And so uh, James uh, was really, really up to hearing ideas, and he is a great a creative person as well, but he really wanted to get suggestions and he was open to them and you know sometimes he would you know hit a hit a wall and be like okay i really don't know how to solve this and then come up with uh you know ask a bunch of people his their ideas and spitfire a bunch of you know versions of things until something resonated with him and then we then we ran with it but ed can continue um on that oh sure yeah, well, I mean, look, there are times uh, where the, the script is really very descriptive, and there's like a single line in the script that says, the second fix the clock. 
and you know it's going to be a completely digital environment. Nothing was shot for this moment, and there's so many decisions that have to go into how that's going to look. Um, you know, how is the clock breaking? First of all, that had to be discussed and determined because while you know, for example, rust would be an easy visual metaphor to show that the clock is running down, they wanted to save the rust and keep the rust unique to when all of time breaks down at the end of the film. So we needed to say, well, how is the clock going to break? And, and how are these tiny little seconds going to be fixing such a massive mechanism? And so the, the director and uh, the editor, Andy Wilson, both sort of throw it open to ideas from all, you know, from all directions. And one of the things that we did early on was we had the seconds sort of trying to pull a giant lever, sort of like the soldiers lifting the flag at Iwo Jima, which would then have this giant gear swing down from the ceiling, knock the damaged gear out of place, and temporarily fix the clock for that moment. Hmm. But the thing is, it was a big acting beat that we really didn't need at that point. And, and one of the other aspects of the process is you're also developing the characters. And uh, Troy Saluba, the uh, animation supervisor at, at Sony Picture Imageworks, um, He'd been working with the designs for the little seconds, and the oil can character, also known as Curious, he kept bringing this character forward with new business, you know, making him cuter. And as that character came into existence, it really became obvious to James that if at all possible, that character should be the one to get the clock working again at that moment. And so, you know, as the development happened, all these strings sort of came together, and it, it led to this moment of clarity where it's like, of course, the tiny minute of all the cutest little minute should be the one who comes to rescue in that moment and save the day at that time and get the clock going steadily. And that was basically all Troy's effort to, to make that character real enough to be someone that you wanted to invest with and work with. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that it explains it is a very collaborative process. But I'm just trying to – because you, you're not lying when you say there are thousands of people on these teams yeah. that make these movies work. and. One person's idea then has to be, you know, transferred to I don't know how many hundreds of, you know, mid-level people who actually start assigning a task to make this vision a reality. So I'm, let me ask you, can and I'm not going to say it was wasted, but how much time and money was spent, you know, on all these ancillary ideas that didn't actually go anywhere, and could well, you make four or you five know, other movies with them? You no, know, because that's the thing is, is that so the, what my department uh, and what I'm tasked with is, you know, again, it's the previs, the previs side of filmmaking, which what we can do is very quickly turn around a lot of ideas. And it's not going to look like what you see in the final film, but it's, it, it will look close enough to what people would expect. I mean, in, at any levels, it looks like a video game quality. Um, and it gets the story across. I mean, that's the main thing is like, okay, what visually can get the story across. So we can, you know, in a day, turn around two or three ideas, get it in front, get it in, uh, into an edit, and within a day have a couple iterations uh, for the director to look at. Then, then, then once that is, you know, locked down, then it can go to, you know, the big groups of people where, you know, there's hundreds of people who are involved with making, you know, all the effects and the smoke and uh, the very small animation notes. And, you know, and you spend a long time, but at least you have a solid idea that everyone is happy with. So, um, you know, that's the, that's the one benefit of what, you know, what we've been doing with previs and post-vis 
is we can really help the director tell his story in a fast manner. It's basically it's it's a new way of storyboarding, but in animation. Um, okay, so you guys are you know part of some of the gatekeepers before it really gets fed into the giant machine. Correct. Yeah, and in, in, yeah. in a lot of yes. I mean, I remember seeing a, a a previous screening when I was a very young lad of Lady Hawk. And Michelle Pfeiffer's character was dangling from a cliff being held, I think, by Rucker Howard. I don't remember now. And all of a sudden, literally the film cut to someone having photographed an index card with the words, she turns into a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> and then that cut is a hawk. Um, and so I think it's really hard for audiences or even filmmakers to sort of stay in the moment and react emotionally to what they're seeing when it's just a storyboard or just a character against Blue Street or, worst-case scenario, text titles like that. Um, so post this is really deep to sort of keeping it visually based, which is, of course, the primary reason why we're making movies is to tell stories visually. So it allows them to sort of give it pacing, uh, give it some camera angles, and really sort of make it something that you can relate to within the flow of the edit. And I think that's the, the best thing of all. And, and being able to do it before the major spend part where it has to go to the professionals for, for full photorealism, it really is the best way to go. You know, and I'm just going to add one, one more note to that, which is, you know, it, 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 the biggest benefit that we give to, you know, the production and to the producers and, and even to the studio is we're taking the director's ideas and with a fast turnaround, we're saving them, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah because they can really explore with me. You know, I have a small team of usually, you know, the most I will ever have is a team of maybe eight to 10, uh, and we can get ideas out. And, and the other thing we're figuring out is we're doing tech studies as well, where we're figuring out and helping. So when they go to shoot, they legitimately know, oh, the, this is the diameter of, uh, of our room. This is how far it is. This is the height of the camera. These are the lenses that we're using. They have all that information, so even on set, when you do have hundreds of people, craft services and everything there, we're actually helping them speed through the process so they don't have to sit there and be like, oh, maybe we should try this, maybe we should try this. No, they have a locked version of what the film kind of looks like. They might want to explore an idea here or there, but for the most part, they have a template of, we want this medium shot of Alice, we want a shot over the shoulder of Hatter onto Alice, and we want a wide establishing the Jabberwocky flying to Alice. She jumps out of the way, falls on the ground, and she looks uh, screen right and says her line. They know that's what they want, so they can set up the camera four feet off the ground, looking down with a 35, and they know, okay, we can get that within an hour, two hours as opposed to back then when they're like, well, does she frame right? Does she look right? Which direction is it going? They now have a template of the whole thing, so that's saving them, you know, again, money that can be spent elsewhere to make it look even better. Well, I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You're a hero. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a question for you guys, too. Is Were, were you guys a part of the first Alice in Wonderland film? I was not, no. Um, no. The company, yeah, the company that I work with, uh, we did do some work on the first Alice, but uh, me, my, me personally, uh, I did not. 
Well, I think that we we all we all have a pretty good understanding of what the original Alice in Wonderland kind of looks like and what it kind of feels like. I don't think we're as familiar with through, with through the Looking Glass. Do you think that there's a little bit more uh, freedom in that, or do you find more freedom in that you're living in a more constrained, formatted world like Alice in Wonderland is? No one's going to compare your time Correct. bubble to. Disney's or anything else, right? Well, I, I think the, the 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 nice thing about this specific one is that James's vision uh, of Alice in Wonderland did respect uh, Tim Burton's, but in the same time, we were at a completely new environment, so we didn't even have to match anything. There were aspects that we did match um, in order to, you know, stay true to the film. But we were most of the time in Time's Castle and, and, and traveling back into Oceans of Time and venturing the new environment. So we had the ability to create new environments and not feel that we had to stay true to what a sequel usually has to do. Well, tell me this. Are you proud of yourselves? <laughs> I am. Good. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Were you were you um was any part of you throughout any of this process trying to correct something that you maybe saw in the original Disney cartoon or, you know, heaven forbid, in the original, you know, Tim Burton film? Uh were you trying to right a wrong like uh, Scott Bakula and uh, Quantum Leap? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we need you to t- point out what you consider to be a wrong in the original movie. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. see anything. Yeah, I don't it know. sounds like you're insinuating something. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so. I'm just saying, you know, but I'm not going to look at it as critically as you guys are. You know, is there is there something in there that you're like, oh, I would have done this differently, and now you actually are playing in this world, and now you could do it differently. It's not even necessarily a negative critique of what you may have been basing it on, but what what did you see that you maybe would have done differently, and now you had the chance? I well, think one I, of the – go on, Ed. Well, I was just going to say, it, it, as, as primarily the effects editor, it's not really my responsibility to uh, address things like that. I, I can tell you that the, the director, uh, James Logan, appreciated the world that uh, Tim Burton had designed with Ken Ralston. Um, I think James did make an act, you know, an active choice to make it a brighter world because Alice in Wonderland takes place during the Red Queen's reign, and everything is – is sort of dark and depressed as a consequence. The worlds we visit in Alice through the Looking Glass are not under her control, so it tends to be a, a, a brighter, more lively world. Um, so that's one difference. But no, we weren't. I'm, you know, we're not responsible for for that sort of world building. And frankly, I, you know, I, I, I think we, it wasn't an issue for us. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> nice to have so, the pressure off. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I, you know, the one thing that that was. Uh, it was kind of a, an interesting task was, uh, you know, when, when we were developing and seeing the, um, the, the little baby Tweedles and the baby Cheshire and the baby Bayard, being able to play around with that idea I thought was a lot of fun because that was staying somewhat true to, you know, what we knew of the characters but in a new way. And so that was kind of, you know, in a way answering your question, it wasn't a way to – you know, change or or fix anything, but it was a way to explore even more the characters that, you know, are so loved in a world that we're so familiar with. Hmm. And uh, just for the record, um, is it Cheshire? Cheshire? How do you say it? Cheshire. Cheshire. Well, I think probably everyone says it a little different, like tomato and tomato. (laughs) 
But, yeah. Uh, yeah. After the interview, I'm I'll from tell Chicago. You. I'm from Chicago. It's uh, you know I, I'll pronounce it Cheshire. <laughs> like okay. Worcestershire sauce? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I yeah, don't like know if I get the Chicago right. connection, but yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, um, and so you guys are doing. Uh, it's basically um, this is a Comic Con preview show for the most part. Yeah. And so oh. you guys are you guys are doing. And if you're going to be in Hall H, you better have some damn good. CG yeah, effects. we're not in Hall H. Yeah. We're actually going to be in uh, 6A. Which, which is like the third biggest room. It's still a big room. I want yeah, you guys to know It's this. a big, big yeah. room. Hall H yeah. is just a figure and of speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, Thursday at 10, So, which is uh, going to be a lot of fun. But we'll be... We'll be talking about kind of the the, the, the steps of previs to, you know, how you go and shoot the film, then from there what post-vis is, and then dealing with, you know, what the final effects look like. This hey. is going to be a pack room. This is, I mean, people are going to be all over this thing. Uh, me, as one of the minions, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to be there. <laughs> yes. yeah. You're talking to cattle here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Oh, wonderful. Well, I really want to thank you guys for calling in. We won't take up any more of your time, uh, especially because I know you got to prep. San Diego's coming up pretty quick here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Thank you for And uh, I don't know. You, you got anything else to plug? Uh, I, I feel like I should give you a second. You've been so kind to us. No, I mean just appreciate the you know the love for the film, uh, and uh, we look hopefully look forward to seeing you know anyone who can show up on Thursday. And uh, room six A. All right, all right. Please, please make room. sure to come and introduce yourselves. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'll yep. be. I will. I will be bugging you. So wonderful. Thanks, and everybody. Again for That's Jeff Smith and Ed W. Marsh, and you can catch them at Comic Con ten thirty Thursday, room six A. Perfect. All thanks, right. guys. Thanks, guys. You watch me get Fred's fruity pebbles. Who are you? I'm the master rapper, and I'm here to say I love fruity pebbles in a major way. He loves fruity pebbles in a major way. The bedrock yellow, orange, purple, lime, and red. But to get the fruity taste, I gotta trick Fred. But the fruit are fruity. <laughs> to get the fruity taste, he's gotta trick Fred. Bonnie. Just let's fruity pebbles cereal. Part of this nutritious breakfast. Yeah, but that was delicious. Yeah, that's uh, the old Fruity Pebbles. But but let me ask you, why did he have to trick Fred? I, I know why the tricks rabbit had to – he wasn't allowed, which is a different issue we can discuss later. But why did Barney have to trick Fred to get his Fruity Pebbles? Uh, you know, Barney had the hotter wife, you know, and I think <laughs> – Apples I think, and oranges. I, they were both gorgeous. You know – Maybe Barney needs to go get his own damn Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. Right. I mean, what's the deal? <laughs> or his friends just own them all. Right? He had the Betty. <laughs> I think that was the I think that was the whole thing with them, right? Was he was always trying to get the Fruity Pebbles from yeah. Fred. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like supported the, by the canon. Like the, <laughs> well, can't no, in the show, <laughs> Barney was never trying to get one over on Fred. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, 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 I think they sacrificed the can in there. <laughs> this is for, for some uh, suspense. You know? Flintstones legends. That's no. what we call that one. Yeah. Well, that's uh, they, that's that's the 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 cereal commercial formula was always. I want cereal. So I want cereal, but someone's stopping me from it. There was always <laughs> the, the, the the the. 
the, what is it, the Lucky Charms yep. leprechaun. Yep. He was always trying to hoard it, keep it away from kids, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, you have to find the rainbow and then find him. And it, yeah, they were it, it was a hide-and-seek, game-of-chase kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not good marketing. And then uh, <laughs> and then the Trix Rabbit, yep. stupid yeah. rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, Christopher uh, Kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there were there were others. Cookie Crisp that basically writes itself. Why well, you can't have a criminal? <laughs> you can't steal well, all the cereal. You also can't be eating cookies for breakfast. So that's also another forbidden thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess, I guess they just flaunted that one. <laughs> but fruity fruity pebbles. I in still it's still available. It was available when we were kids. It's available now. Yep. It's the same. It looks the, the box right now. Yeah, the animation might look a little tiny bit different, but it's the same cereal box. It's the same cereal. It tastes exactly the same. Well, and just, I believe tie-dyed Rice Krispies with Lifesaver flavoring. Well, I, yeah, I was about to say, I think that they're sticking to the artificial flavors too, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I, I think tricks change. I think they're all natural flavors. Now. I think you are right about that. Yeah, which you know, kind of takes a lot of colors out of the rainbow. I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> But here we are, uh, Fruity Pebbles, everybody. But Fruity, Fruity, Fruity Pebbles, It's uh, which is a very popular cereal. You're right. It's withstood the test of time. Mm-hmm. There's no more C-3PO's. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they should, as we discussed in a previous episode, they should make the exact same three, the exact same 3PO, which made no sense. It was just two O's together. Yeah. And or just an, turn or them, an eight. It was an eight. It looked, yeah. Three PO's looked like an eight. Or kind of like a B. Or a or B. Hey. BBOs. <laughs> Make three POs into BB8Os. Boom. Done. <laughs> There's already a factory somewhere in Nebraska that already has it's that. It's already ready to punch out these <laughs> Star Wars Bs. I know, I'm sure. All right, here we go. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know, it's it's a it's I I say it's a popular cereal because people still buy it, people still eat it. Every now and then I do. I've gotten older, I prefer the regular Rice Krispies now. But sometimes I need that that special deep purple milk, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> yeah, and and what brings me to that is that in in a conversation I had with someone who's going to be at Comic Con, they asked me what my favorite point blank. As soon as the interview starts, I say, "What's your favorite Saturday morning cereal?" Uh-huh. I did not like having the tables turned on me. <laughs> <laughs> I refused to answer, but it got me thinking. And Marquee, I think I've heard you say before. Uh, uh, Fruity Pebbles are your favorite. They, they are absolutely my favorite. Not a marshmallow cereal. You don't pick one of those I, as your favorite. I love Lucky Charms, and every once in a while, whenever there's a Star Wars movie, they'll do some kind of Star Wars with lightsaber marshmallows or something. Like, yes, I love marshmallows in my cereal, but the apps, my favorite cereal of all time is Fruity Pebbles by mm-hmm. far, by far. And, and that's even counting Frankenberry season. Which you know comes every once in a while. That's still. true, and that goes yeah. without marshmallows too. Yeah, yeah. no, that that's oh Frank, no, Frankenberry. Frankenberries has yeah, that little strawberry marshmallows. But no, no, I think uh, Fruity Pebbles is the best cereal ever. And and if 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 your culinary, uh, um, if you are up to the skill, and you can substitute Rice Krispie treats for Fruity Pebble treats, and nobody will flaunt you. Ooh. Yeah, that's pretty that, good. That's you know, in that same interview, one of the one of the people I was talking to named uh, Rice Krispie Treats cereal as her favorite. There's a Rice Krispie ah. Treats cereal. Oh yeah, you don't remember? I don't think they make it anymore, but I do remember that for a few oh, years. Oh, what? How did this? How did this get by me? It was they weren't like the fluffy, like pull apart, like uh, it was melted just, marshmallow, just like little chunks like of Rice Krispie Treats. But yeah, they were uh, 
glob uh, together. Like if they were granola, but yeah, tasty. Very exactly, oh. basically what it was. Oh, do this. Slick, Slick, where do you weigh in on this? What, what, is, what was your favorite? My favorite was Fruity Pebbles as Fruity well. Fruity Pebbles, too. Two out of yeah. three. There you go. Um, and and I'm also with Marquis is uh, anytime Halloween rolls around, I do uh, Booberry is, is oh. my cereal of choice. So I always mm-hmm. buy a box of those. Yeah. Yep. And then yeah, I'm with you too, Grim Shay. I uh, I am now an adult, and it's and it's hard for me to eat it. I eat a bowl of cereal as a dessert now when it's like that when <laughs> it's a it sugar too. cereal yep, yep. and uh but when i want cereal it's boring old adult uh you know teeming with fiber <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh great nuts and usually with some sort of fresh fruit cut into it i, I don't even use sugar in them anymore oh yeah. you're letting them down uh, but it uh, happens it happens uh, uh, we get older it's that living in Colorado bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you are getting to me with a healthy eating. It sounds horrible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you watch your you watch your your bad TV with your mucilics and uh, your shell of a man. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sick. I know. But well, but you but it's free country. We're allowed to. And like I said, I've been moving away from the sugar cereals, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, which is probably good. They'll, they will kill you. Yep, I am convinced it's happening. And uh, maybe too late for us. Mm-hmm. But we've got a little time left. Time enough, I think, to head to Comic Con for this some year, alternate 2016. Let's say alternate. You want some alter some alternates, some alternative stuff? Yes, I yep. happen to know all about some alternative. Press. That's the big has yes. alternative in the name of the genre. <laughs> exactly. So it's got to be something you haven't thought of checking out. And for those of you that have never been to Comic Con, or if this is your first one, on the very south end, you got your um, your artists, right? And yeah, your, and your artist alley. Your and artist alley, and that's like very. Now it's like two rows. Now, I mean, they're they're squeezing those guys on the left. And then you got like your big exhibits, and then you're gonna right there. You're gonna have your Lucas Pavilion and your AMC Walking Dead, and you're gonna mm-hmm. have um, you're, you're gonna have your Hasbro, your Hasbro, Mattel, your, your your WB, your CW, um, and then you're gonna even get into your DC. You're gonna get into your Sideshow, which we know we love. Yep, we love that front one. And center down there, on and the then floor. on the opposite side of Comic Con is where you kind of get. Now there's some video game stuff, but you normally that's where you get like your flea market. That's what I call the flea market and your comic shop stuff. Yeah. And again, there's fewer of those too. But right in the middle of it is the small press, and you there's some gems in small press. Yep. There's a, a in particular we uh, always go down and talk to uh, uh, Amanda and Jeffrey down at the Devastator Press, mm-hmm. our favorite adult book. That's, That's right. Not nudie magazines. I mean, adult comedy book. Well, I check every page in case. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, the Devastator Press. They put out uh, comedy books. Quite a few of them are written in in uh, graphic novel style. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time we talked to them, they uh, they were putting out the Presidential Dick sticker book. Yes, which was hilarious. Not old, yeah. <laughs> but just a throwback to one of those old little kid sticker books. Uh-huh. But all the stickers were uh, penises that you would put on famous presidents. presidents. And the actual penises... Or anywhere you like, really. The actual penises of the presidents looked... They had, like... George Washington's was a wooden penis because he had wooden teeth, if yeah. I recall. <laughs> just, there, there's <laughs> even jokes in the penises. Yeah. yeah. But, and if you want to know more about it, go listen to the old show. 
because now they've got some new stuff out. We talked. Uh, we sat down. We talked to. Uh, well, I did anyway. I spoke. I spoke with Amanda and Jeffrey uh-huh. again. Which is in now preparation. Tradition, I'm going to probably go see them down there uh-huh. at Comic Con, and you can too. Uh-huh. Uh, we tell you where, when, and how. All in this little talk that I had. And Magic Interview Machine, why don't you pop us over there real quick? Here we go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us at Saturday Morning Serial, where we're talking once again to our old friends, the Devastator Press. Amanda, Jeffrey, how you guys doing? Doing great. How about yourself? Oh, wonderful. Sweltering and wonderful. What is your Saturday Morning Serial of choice? Ooh, what do you like? You know what? No one ever bothers to ask me the hard-hitting questions. And yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, Jeff. I don't, I don't yeah. like it. What? Not not a fan, actually. What about the ones that are just candy? Like, when I was a kid in the 90s, (laughs) good era era for candy cereal, uh, that was when uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup cereal came out and Rice Krispie Treat cereal. They already had Rice Krispies, but they were like, why don't we just take the end product and make that a cereal? Chunks of marshmallow rice crispy treats that you would pour milk on. It was, it, it was so unhealthy. No, I, I remember those. I remember those. It just diabetic crystals. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was. It was uh, like today we have with the fast food burger wars where they're trying to like one up each other in terms of like making. Well, we could we could make the bun another uh, burger. You know, right. you make it three burgers and you eat. Uh, yeah, you know, and then deep fry that like in the old days it was uh it was cereal i think that they were really trying to find like new ways to get like introducing cake cereal yeah there was uh, there was they they had they were slaves they always had to tie in the big movie that would sell to families and on top of that they had to add a new color that hadn't yet existed (laughs) and then there was the angle of the toy in the box which uh, admittedly i'm going to say i think they 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 kind of dropped the ball on that in the end. The, the toys were not keeping pace with the yeah. with the intense colors and sugars. Though uh, there was, for, and I think it was the, the digital era that sort of did that in, because the last toys, quote-unquote, that I remember being in cereal boxes were in, uh, like, Chex Mix, mm-hmm. where they had, like, a video game. They had, like, some kind of horrible, like, Chex Mix. Chex- yeah, it was like a CD-ROM that they would give you. They would give you. Um, it was a real thing. I, I remember trying to load it. I think it wouldn't load on my computer or whatever. It crashed it or something. But like that was like they felt like at that point toys were just too quaint. And I think they were like, we need to step up to the digital era. And at that point, uh, they cereal boxes were not equipped for that. No. Yeah. I, can, I, can see, I can see how that, that was a failure. It puts me in mind of, well, I remember, now maybe this is even before your time, but when I was quite the small tyke in the 80s, McDonald's had the promotion where in your Sunday paper, one of the ads was actually like a punch-out LP yeah. that had the uh, the whole crazy special sauce song, and if your LP played all the way to the end, you won a Big Mac or a million dollars or something. I had that. We did that in our house. I was. I am. Uh, I believe we're the same age. Uh, we are contemporaries. 
Um, yes, Amanda is a little baby. Baby <laughs> What a baby. Well, thank you for taking a break from your Pokemon Go to join us here on the Analog Radio. You ever did you ever read the did you ever read Bloom County the the, the oh yeah comic? Berkeley Breathed oh yes yeah he the, the, that was my favorite growing up and there was in the uh, collection I don't know if you remember the Billy and the Boingers bootleg collection yeah. uh, came with when they because Opus and his uh, Bloom County friends formed a heavy metal group and there's an arc of strips about that and oh, they I actually, remember. Yeah, they included the 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 punch out to the punch out to records and that you could play, and it was real. It really did sound terrible. They did a good job of, of mimicking like what what would this sound? What how bad would this sound if Steve Dallas and Bill the Band? They were right. It, it, it was uh, it was not good. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, it's like something like Boink or I Love You or something or Boink Me or something. It was it was funny. I think it was two songs. I, I can you guys, uh, I, I can I can I can honestly picture them too. Oh <laughs> oh that takes me back. Now you've now you've really pulled me back to the eighties. Late eighties, I'll have you know. The uh, he, la, I, last year I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him at Comic Con. Really? It, yeah, it was wonderful experience. Um like there aren't like so many people where I would be like completely uh to use a wrestling parlance mark out for. Um, but but Berkeley Breathed is definitely one of them because uh, that was that was he was very influential on on my humor, uh, my sensibility growing up. And so uh, yeah, he was there because we were talking with this other with this uh, company, this uh, publishing company, and he happened to be there. And I was like, oh shoot, he's like he's here signing, and he's there's a line. I'll I'll go in this line. I'll I'll meet the Berkeley Breathed. And I told him I was such a big fan that I had. The uh, the the screensaver, the Opus and Bill screensaver that they made in the '90s, and uh, it was a very funny screensaver. But as he pointed out, uh, they were sued because uh, they did a parody of the Flying Toasters, oh. and, uh, and they were sued. And they had to shut it down. But it was actually kind of a blessing because the thing also like crash people's computers. Like oh it was like horribly designed. It's really bad paper. So it's kind of like a blessing like that this got it got taken off the market. But it's one of the rare bits of like animation of like Bloom County animation. Because there were like and they were animated screensavers. They were like little cartoons. It's really cool. That is cool. Well that yeah, okay. on YouTube. I, I think the most interesting thing I'm getting from this story is that someone owns the flying toasters and they have lawyers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, this was in the 90s. This was so, still like, after dark. Was after dark. Very litigious at that time. Yeah, they were still, screensavers were still a thing. I think until the late 90s, I think they, they screensavers were important. But, I mean, the technology, the, the, the screensavers, like having one, like definitely outlasted, like, the need for it. Because really, like, it, it was because the old monitors were such that, like, if you left them on and they were, they showed the same screen, they showed the same image. Like yeah, the same you had desktop. that burned in image of your, of your desktop. Right, exactly. So all it did was just put a thing up to, to prevent that from happening. It's just as long as there's motion continuing to happen. Um, and then like, you know, the, the monitor technology like changed at some point in the nineties and a lot of, so that would never happen. 
Um, but screensavers lived on for a couple of years after that, just because uh, people liked the, the silly the posters. Yeah, we missed our chance to to create a screensaver company. I know. Yeah, that's our real dream. Well, oh, yeah. it doesn't mean a professional level screensaver is not in the uh, realm of impossibility in the future for Devastator. Just one more thing to own as a media conglomerate. Oh, by the way, I will say uh, if you type Opus and Bill Screensaver into YouTube, uh, they all come up. Uh, 1993. Uh, yeah, you can you can definitely see all the cartoons. They're all here. Um, oh yeah, the one that got them sued was uh, was Opus in a hunting cap and uh, and the gun shooting flying toasters out of the air and destroying them. Oh, um, yeah, that's that's good. That's good, Bloom County. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Classic Bloom. All right. I'm a slow typer, so I'm almost there. Go ahead. Keep filling it. Oh, yeah. The, uh, well, let's see. Oh, yeah. The, uh, there, there's one here. I also remember this one, the CG animated one of him in a, in his office, and it's like black and white, and he's going, having a, having a reflective moment. Um, yeah, these are great. God, just looking at these. Oh, yeah, there's one where Bill the Cat is going to have sex. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, he's in, like, a romantic hotel. He's, like, in a in a hotel room with a lady cat. Oh, my God. Bring it back to memories. There's one where he's... Oh, there's one where Opus is uh, mooning the White House. Um, great. Oh, these, are, these are crazy. Oh, man, I can't wait to watch all these again. <laughs> <laughs> the Opus clock, I remember that. Okay, this is this is going to be very hard to segue over to Comic-Con, but hold on. No, I'm going to find a way. Had, we had our transition, I think, because he was at Comic-Con. He was at Comic-Con. Will he be at Comic-Con this year? Who knows? Who knows? Like that. That's well, well, there we go. We'll be there. Good work, Amanda. <laughs> Rumor has it Berkeley Breathed is going to have a panel, but if that turns out not to be true, you can catch one with Devastator all about adult coloring books, which That's I imagine right. is uh, like pornography where you can just mix and match all the races you want, which I think is a very powerful social tool. You know, some, oh, definitely. I got yeah. to tell you, oh, there are color in Tijuana Bible. Yeah, there are. <laughs> erotic uh, adult coloring books, but that's not what we're doing here. Yeah, we're trying to find, I uh, wanted to showcase our favorite coloring books that were funny by artists that we really like. So uh, one of whom is Kenny Kyle from Mad Magazine, who's an author of ours. He did Stay at Home Scarface, which came out in May this year, and it's, it's brilliant. So we're going to show a bunch of pages from that. We're actually giving away a free coloring page from each of the books that we're talking about. Uh, we also have Brandon Bird, uh, who's famous for the Law and Order Valentine's and his Harrison Ford and Nick Cage painting. Um, he's a Tapatico guy. He's got a lot of uh, really rad uh, art and he's got a lot of fans. Um, and Camilla Derrico, who's like a world-famous illustrator who does really great pop art, um, and uh, she's you know, manga. Yeah, style. yeah, she does sort of a, a like contemporary manga style, and um, she's in like juxtaposed in um, all of the like art magazines, and she has a new coloring book out that's like a pop lens on manga art. It's really cool, and there's a lot of like fun um, intricate line work. Um, 
so we were really running the gamut. And then Jamie Loftus, who's a really funny internet comedian, she uh, she did a really funny coloring book called The Adult Coloring Book for Adults. And it's just about, like, the sadness of being an adult and all the responsibilities that we have to Ooh, deal with. There's a lot of gray earth tones in that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, you can uh, make a really depressing palette for that one. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a really great panel. Uh, we're giving out free coloring pages, and uh, everyone's going to be there. It's going to be great. That's yeah, on Sunday, Sunday at 11.30 a.m. So, so for all the adults who just want a coloring book, and that's not – well, now – don't be disappointed if, after a couple of minutes into the panel, half the audience is probably going to be wearing raincoats and uh, kind of faces just get up and leave. It's not your fault. It was just an advertising marketing mix-up. Still, I think it's going to be successful. Where can we see? The, where can we see this panel? Are you doing it out in the streets where there won't be a line? Yeah, yeah, we're doing it in the marina. Uh, a friend of ours has a houseboat. We're just going to kind of wing it over there. Um, and hope none of the cops find out. I love uh, it. Panel, you know, guerrilla panel art presentations like that. Uh, so it's actually in room eight in the convention center. So it's in the main uh, area where all the panel rooms are. So it's just right upstairs above the exhibit floor. And what time is it again? 11.30 a.m. 11.30 a.m. 11.30 a.m. in room eight in the convention center, you bunch of sellouts. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy some air conditioning. <laughs> and and seeing as how you are a uh, base, uh, though a worldwide and I'm sure devious media conglomerate, you specialize in uh, printing books. So coloring yes. books that makes sense. I I understand you might even be uh, debuting a couple of books. Yes, that's oh, right. Yeah. yeah, we have two books uh, debuting at the show, uh, having their Comic Con uh, to their convention debut. Uh, the first is Killing It, The Action Girl's Guide to Saving the World While Looking Hot, uh, written by Joan Ford. So we're all familiar with these sort of uh, lady advice books. It's like how to, uh, how to be a modern gal, but also do the things that your mom would approve of you how doing. How can I have it all? How can I have it all? This is a book like that, but it's for women in action movies, which are primarily written by men. So it's, uh, it's a book about how to be uh, sexy and how to be a strong female character while at the same time uh, not intimidating the male star of the film and not upstaging him. Um, it's, uh, it's a very funny, uh, very funny parody of these books. There's a n number of quizzes. There's a number of, uh, of just like tips and tricks, and the illustrations are uh, outrageous too. Oh, yeah. I mean, the satire is so on point. It's, it's just like... It's right from a lot of the most recent uh, action films with yeah. uh, with female uh, supporting cast, like I don't know, like Marvel's Civil War. Right. Yeah. Parodies everything from uh, from from Civil War to even stuff like uh, the you know like Ghostbusters, like talking yeah. about female action teams and the dynamics within an all girl action team. It's very. It's, but whereas most the action teams. The rule is that for every uh, for every four guys you get are allowed to have one girl. Um, <laughs> but the, the all female team is the rare exception to that to that rule. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really funny book. And then uh, and then there's some about the other. Oh, not that. Yeah, written by a comedian Joan Ford from uh, from the Nerdist. She writes for Nerdist. Yeah, Nerdist and funny guy. guy. Um, and then our July book, also brand new for Comic Con, is called All the Feelings. 
Um, it is uh, the first of its kind, I think. It's a parody of books of monologues. Uh, you know, uh, when you're a kid and you're in theater and everyone's got their monologue book and they pick their monologue out to memorize for the big audition. Um, this is a, this is a very funny look at that format of book. Um, and it's all uh, teen monologues. These are all uh, the tropes of like teenage characters that you would read as mm. um, as a kid. And uh, like, uh, and each monologue covers a different emotion. Uh, so one is uh, one is uh, feeling mischievous, and it's a monologue about being the prankster. Um, one is about anger, and it's about a jock who's uh, trying to pep his uh, team up. Uh, right before a big game, and uh, there's and then there's some really weird ones like uh, one about shame, and it's about a Jewish kid who ruined his own bar mitzvah through a crazy series of clumsy acts. Um, and yeah, it's just it's got everything. It's got it's got also like the crazy the crazy feelings like drugs or smug. Right. Yes. <laughs> if you're if you're a theater geek, really will really appreciate it because these are these are uh, parodies of the exactly the type of monologues you hear over and over again to, at auditions, or that maybe you yourself did um, when you were a kid, uh, when you were a teenager, uh, trying to land that big uh, that big spot on Dog with the Blog, you know, <laughs> that, big, that big supporting role uh, audition for the Disney Channel. <laughs> oh, I, I, you were, you guys were kind enough to give us a little advanced uh, peek at these, and uh, so I looked them over, and yes, I am. As a former high school theater nerd, I really want to tell you how how close to home that that uh, all the feeling was. Uh, and uh, killing it also immensely entertaining. You're right; it is packed full of satire. It is very hilarious, very cutting. I noticed though, almost no digital special effects. Are you sure you wouldn't rather have had a man write it? <laughs> There weren't enough lens flares in this book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the film we were the aesthetic we were going for was sort of like a, a 1960s sort of uh, iconographic action style. But uh, I think if we did it, if we did an update to it, I think we would consider maybe doing some live action shoots and uh, with some horrible digital effects really, in the background. Really, really bad After Effects screencast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what I'm looking for, really. But it's, well, that's all right. You gave it your best shot, and it's very cute. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we did it. The uh, the illustrator, uh, the illustrator, uh, uh, one of the illustrators, Mike uh, Mike Reddy, is very talented, and he does work for uh, for the New Yorker and for the Atlantic. And the other illustrator, uh, Spencer Dina, is uh, is a really awesome guy. He does work for new shows and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it really, I think it's it's probably what it's if it isn't our best looking book, it's among our best looking books yeah, in terms of overall beautiful. style and design. I think it's really cool. Yeah, how do you choose? It's it's all right. We we will be the judge of it for you, and we'll tell you on Twitter. Don't worry. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a, any validation. Yeah, yeah. Right. As to get devastated. Ooh, that's our Twitter okay, for the for feedback. Purposes. That just sounds so. I don't know. Did you have a consultant tell you maybe you shouldn't use get devastated? Uh, no, we don't have. We don't have the no. money for consultants. <laughs> I admire that. Like, 
<laughs> we made that handle ironically. <laughs> Because it was like they, it was the summer of 2009 or no, 2010. Yeah. And uh, there were a bunch of movies that had uh, like Get Pump or right, Get, get Yeah. So we were like, all right, Get Devastated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. So I like it. We were like, oh, I kind of wish we could change it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're stuck with it now. Twitter world. That's right. Make it work. Forever. All right, and uh, as long as since we're we're almost done talking about your Comic Con presence, where's the booth? If I don't have time, I can't make it to the panel. The line's too long. I, I I'm illiterate. Where can I just come see you guys? Oh yeah, and oh, and there's another panel too. There is. Yeah, we have two Whoa. panels going. The uh, we have another panel. It's uh, called Two Packs a Week, the Trading Card Comedy Show. Uh, so I host a, a a podcast called Two Packs a Week. It's uh, through uh, on the Meltdown uh, Comedy Podcast Network, and uh, you can get that on iTunes. And it's a show where uh, I host, and I, I, with a different comedian every week, we open uh, packs of weird retro trading cards. We make fun of what's inside. So we've opened everything from elf cards to, you know, to dinosaurs attacks to uh, just some really far-out, weird, uh, crazy cards that you wouldn't think of. Super Mario Brothers, the movie trading cards, as well as uh, Nintendo scratch-off cards. So, um, so for the so we pitched it to Comic Con, and they thought it would be awesome to do it as a uh, as a live show, which is what we're going to do. So oh. at the um, so it's a, on Thursday at the Neil Morgan Auditorium, which is at uh, the San Diego Library, which is now going to be which is now part of the show. Um, they have sort of uh, the Comic Con has spread its tendrils to the library for the for the week. Yes, um, it has metastasized to the rest of the gas lamp. I'm, I, I live out here. I can tell you it has happened. <laughs> the transformation is is very The um, so yeah, that's uh, that'll be at uh, two o'clock on uh, at the Neil Morgan Auditorium on Thursday, and it should be a fun show. We've got four guests. Including the writers uh, Joan Ford and uh, Mike Levine, who wrote uh, "Killing It" and "All the Feelings," respectively, as well as uh, Erica Ishii from Geek and Sundry and uh, Roger Barr from Imakri. All, all four very funny comedians, and we should be uh, should be a blast. People can win trading cards and stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds yeah. awesome. And did you get yeah. special you dispensation special to do it in the library, or are you going to have to do it in like real hushed tones? <laughs> this is yeah we're allowed to be loud so this is the this is going to be my one chance to really like exercise that demon yeah, you know to really loud as you possibly can be it'll finally be. yeah don't yeah. let it go jeff you <laughs> scream every line you can think of <laughs> that's right yeah. Uh, and uh, so you can, uh, definitely make uh, the Thursday two pack the week panel or the Sunday morning uh, coloring book panel but uh, our table is E05. Um, it's in the exhibitor table section. Just go down aisle 700. Just go down aisle 700 all the way, and you'll oh. see us on, on your left. Yeah. All the way. That sounds intimidating if you're not familiar with the showroom floor, but don't worry. It won't be that far away. You can catch them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, look at your map. 
and go down aisle 700. You'll be fine. fine. Oh, yeah, you'll see our muzzle shout at you. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Good. You, you never know if one of – maybe you find a chance no one's at the booth to grab a stack of books. I can tell you that. Wait a minute. Uh-oh, no. Well, you just make sure you've got an intern there the whole time. You'll be fine. I'm just telling you. That's the reality. Oh, no, we have to get an intern. Uh, no, we have to worry about thieves. No. <laughs> no one is safe at Comic-Con. You should know that by now. We'll bring our scarecrow. We'll bring our convention scarecrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a picture of someone reading their Twilight fan fiction. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, it's a flat. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that that'll scare folks away. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Might even make a couple sales. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe the dial turns up the scarecrow will be better than us at selling the book. Who knows? Make them tall. An empty Darth Vader costume probably demands a lot of respect down there. Just think <laughs> creatively and efficiently when you set this up. Uh, and uh, and so that's that's good news. I, first of all, if I had to choose, nothing against coloring books, but if I had to choose, I would rather go see the two packs a week panel because it sounds more like you're just studio audience. It's going to be an entertaining show. You're That's doing, right. You're recording a live podcast with these talented people yeah. opening up some trading cards. Uh, and, and I understand and doing a podcast is thankless work. <laughs> Drive you no to one drink. will thank you. Not one. One person will thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both, they're both, uh, they both will have very, uh, very entertaining panelists, uh, many comedians on both panels. So, uh, I think uh, I think I, I think you only the only way you can decide which will be funnier is by going to both panels. So. Yes, that's that's a good point. That's what I'm going to have to do to know for sure. <laughs> and then once again, I'll get right to Twitter. I'll let you know. Get devastated, everybody on Twitter. Give them your opinion. They want to hear it. Well, uh, yeah, give it to us. Give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, get devastated and then give it to them. All right, everybody. I think uh, I probably ought to let you guys go. This has been a – I really want to thank you for talking to us. I'll probably see you down there at Comic-Con in the very near future. Don't burn out yet. Bring out plenty of uh, Oh, yeah. I, listen, there's, there's, uh, we're not even – yeah, we're not even in the burnout zone yet. Oh, we got no. to go before that happens. We'll be uh, we're excited to uh, to see you at the booth at uh, E5 and uh, yeah I hope to meet uh, a few of your listeners too. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Well, thanks again, guys. Uh, Amanda, Jeffrey, everybody, check out the Devastator Press. Everything they put out that I found has been gold. Oh, thank you, Dan. Yeah, and if you're at that Comic Con, go to DevastatorPress.com. Yeah, you can see our stuff there. Yeah, every day is Comic-Con there. Get there, people. Yeah. All right. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Yeah. See you down there. Bye. Bye. Hold on tight. The most incredible rock and roll adventure ever is here. Feed him to the shark again. Sorry. Judd Nelson is hot rod. Leonard Nimoy as Galvatron and Orson Welles. I am the 
beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. Transformers, the movie. That wasn't the whole movie? That's a long ass trailer. That wasn't the one that I remembered. No, that was awesome. I, I normally don't go uh the full minute thirty. Well, I'll go full fanboy, but uh that original eighty six movie and its soundtrack. Uh top ten movies, top ten albums. Really? Of all, of all time for you? Of all time for me. And I usually don't buy into that. Oh, because it's Star Wars. It's cool, you know. But there's a lot of nostalgia behind that. That's, that's one of the few movies that I can that I have watched more than ten times. I think I've seen it more than ten times. But, see, I'm not a person that rewatches movies. Oh, that's, I do it all the time. That's what makes it special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even Star Wars, I think I've seen five times, maybe. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. But. That's I saw, ridiculous. I saw Force, Force, Force Awakens ten times in the theater alone. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's another end of the spectrum, though. I, I know. I just I, – I enjoy I enjoy the – the feeling of it at the time, you know, like, like being in the theater and, you know, and you just, you can't always get that. And then it goes away and then you just, it's all, that was my last and chance. It, and it, and it follows you and it haunts you. <laughs> it haunts you. Oh my God. But this one was the, so that was, that was the trailer that you would see during the previous summer, you know, looking forward to next year. Like that was the long trailer. That was, that yeah. was the yeah. long trailer. Yeah, that was the long trailer. That was the first bombshell they dropped with yeah. Orson then, Welles. Yeah. Orson <laughs> Welles. Judd Nelson's in it. Orson Welles. Yeah, Orson yeah. Welles' last performance. Yeah, you're right. It's his last performance. Oh, and, by the God. way, a name that they didn't mention in this trailer, apparently that they didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> it was freaking Robert Stack did uh, Ultra Magnus. Oh, oh yeah. He's, he's my favorite character. Oh, I love. I did have that toy, which I still actually have. I too. That was the alternative. It was uh, Optimus. Prime, it was the right? it was the white Optimus Prime, and then he would attach him to the trailer. And yeah, he had like Ultra a, Magnus. Yeah, a, yeah, a, a, a blue helmet. That, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. that one too. Yep. It was a great alternative <laughs> <laughs> to Optimus Prime. It was a great alternative. And those oh, are classic God. toys. Look, I mean, I didn't even know you at the time. We both had the same toy. Uh-huh. We're all talking about it, uh-huh. so it must uh-huh. be big. It must be like that Hasbro or Mattel made toy. Hasbro has Hasbro is uh, huge, right? Is that are well, they making yeah. are they making them Transformer toys? Oh yeah, they make those, and that's yeah. When you guys were when you guys were talking about uh, uh, Devastator Press 
that's all I could think of was, was Devastator from Transformers uh-huh. <laughs> and, and not the awful one from the Bay movies that has wrecking ball testicles. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw that, yes. The, was... the, real, the real Devastator. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and it, so that's uh, – and it's even more poignant because uh, I think Mark E was mentioning something that there's a there's a big uh, party for the re-release of that movie. That movie has never gotten the Blu-ray treatment, and it's uh, it's its 30th anniversary this huh. year. And at Shout years. Factory finally putting out a Blu-ray. Yeah, it's actually fine. Uh, way it's, to go, Shout Out! It's Shout finally Factory coming. Does the good. It does good by me. I think oh they, they save That's a lot of things from obscurity. They were yeah. they were the guys that did that. They, they carried Six String Samurai. They were the ones yep. that actually brought that out. That that is that Shout Factory. They also were the they were the first guys to carry the complete Freaks and Geeks DVDs. Mm-hmm. That was also Shout Factory. Mm-hmm. These guys have I think been they, ahead they of got it. The Mystery Science Theater. The Mystery Science largely Theater. forgotten about. They were the ones that kept that alive. And Shout Factory is actually, as is tradition, and this is where I've run into them every single Comic Con that I've ever been to, and I'm this is the, one of the first booths that I go to. Um, Shout Factory is coming back to Comic Con again, yeah. again, again, and they're bringing with it. The the premiere release, the 30th anniversary of Transformers the movie, as Slick said on Blu-ray for the first time ever, in steel jacket. In steel jacket. <laughs> All Transformers should be in steel. <laughs> and, yeah, they're actually coming, and it's going to be uh, – you can pre-order it there, order it there, or whatever, but you got to get your butts to the, to the Shout Factory – uh, a booth or panel, a panel, a booth, and they are going to have a panel that, that's going to support this, which is going to be the release. Um, full information is going to be on MaddiePRadio.com. So, oh, head on over, get your uh, fill. And if you're hearing this after Comic Con, go to YouTube. I'm sure you're going to hear about it there. Yeah, because this is yeah. going to be a big deal. Um, we all remember this movie. I know that this wasn't the trailer that I saw on TV because the part that I remember when I was when I was a kid was the guy like Transformers the movie and it's coming out and this guy blah, blah, blah. and then and then it's like this shot of of Megatron firing and you see Optimus Prime jumping into the screen taking the shot and then the fucking announcer goes does Prime die and if he does who will lead the Autobots like, you know and then it well, left us all that. yes. And if we should Google this again, <laughs> the actual trailer that I remember the work a little harder on the original. <laughs> the trailer that I remember had him saying that. I remember that. Does Prime die? And it was horrible. It was sad. It was. That, I couldn't did believe. he really do that? Or I remember just, that. I remember. That. I'm, not sure look. Look. Case I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I. That's what happened. Okay. Oh, there yeah. is. Yeah, there I've, is. Right. Uh, I've seen. Uh, there's a video out on YouTube that. Splices. There were like eleven different trailers and commercials for it, wow. and and it splices all of them in like a continuous. Like you want to say that one's long. There were three other versions of the long trailer. <laughs> there were minute long commercials back when you know those actually existed. Mm-hmm. You know stuff like that. So yeah, it's it. I I seem to remember that. Oh. You know, but well it. it 
that, that was my favorite toy. That was it's still I've I've talked about this on. So were you on afraid the show. it would no longer? Well, no, but I was just, well, I just, I thought that the story would end with Optimus Prime, you know, and, and so I couldn't continue it after the show had ended, you know, mm-hmm. my toy would have to be retired basically. <laughs> and, and, but I, I would, and, uh, the Goldbergs, um, that's on ABC, uh, not an alternative network by any means, No, <laughs> but they, this, I really like this, I like this show because I am the same age as those kids. I grew up yeah. in that. I was that age with him, right. and he did this show. Did you see this one where they? He basically makes his own version of the Transformers movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, with his grandpa. Yeah, with his fucking grandpa, and it's grandpa because he couldn't emotionally take it that he died. Uh, and I was like, "That's me." He's probably like a year or two older than us, but yeah, but, I can't imagine. Yeah, any older. Yeah, but I, I. Felt that man. I was like, "Oh my god, he's so right." It sucked. Well, there was such an outcry at the time. Like the GI Joe movie came out um, came out a few months later, I believe. And and they were supposed to kill Duke in it. Oh, I thought they did. And they completely changed it. Oh, I I thought they did kill somebody, didn't they? No, they 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 took the 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 falling the fallout from because 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 that's what makes Falcon the the hero. Yeah, but so what happens is he gets hit with a snake in his heart. The whole movie happens, and at the end, they're like, Duke's coming out of the coma. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember him coming out. (laughs) And and cut. Movie over. Cut. (laughs) What'd I miss? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm assuming their 30th anniversary is coming out soon. Yeah, it should be, too. If it wasn't the savior the next year. But... Uh. That one is is much less fondly remembered because it introduced the beginnings of Cobra Commander as a snake man instead yeah. of, instead of just some psychopath yeah. maniacal psychopath trying to take over the world. That was a good movie because that one that one made Roadblock like the basically the big hero. You know, yeah. like, I mean, I know they brought in Falcon, voiced by Don Johnson, and that was pretty cool. But, man, when you see Roadblock, he kicks ass in this one, man. He was badass in this one. And well, was, and yeah. it's it's the best intro of any of any animated movie I've ever seen. Where some of the Cobra soldiers get killed. They oh, actually, they, 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 yeah. they definitively get uh-huh. killed? Right. Uh, not that I remember. I think I they're getting shot falling out of airplanes, like in the air. They're dying. I'm oh, well, sure. they, they, they were they always, always parachutes out of planes. Yeah. No, no, no. But I don't think that they had their shoots. I think they were getting shot. I remember them dying. I'm pretty uh, sure they died. No, I don't sons know. of bitches. No, I think you're just revising a lot yeah. of your history. <laughs> I think I wanted them to die. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they died in this one. Yeah. Uh, no, you, you, you and your sick grandpa just remade <laughs> the G.I. Joe movie as you're a snuff right. film. <laughs> yes, you're right. We did. Yeah. That's what and, and you know you know what you know where that'll get you? Nowhere, son. Nowhere fast. Nowhere. But back to the topic at hand here. But if you want to go somewhere quick, <laughs> head down to Comic Con. <laughs> Remember, we're gonna we're we're gonna talk about Comic Con a little later in the show. Everybody, is there is is there anything at Hasbro that's worth a shit this year? So, uh, not 
So you have the Star Wars exclusives, which are good. You've yeah, got yeah, good. the uh, uh, Black Series six inch uh, Star Wars: The New Hope Obi Wan, okay. uh, which everyone's been excited about. And then he has an exclusive table from his little hovel uh, with a uh, holographic Princess Leia in awesome. scale. And so, then um, the unmasked Kylo Ren uh, ah. Black Series that'll have it has a first order banner, and then no one can say. So everybody thinks maybe the table is exclusive in the Obi Wan, but it'll but the regular release will have the Princess Leia. Well, same thing. Everyone's hoping the banner is what's exclusive because he also comes with a melted Dater head. Oh, wow. That'll so. be sick if I'm the only one that has it. <laughs> you guys should get to Comic-Con because I'm going to get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I sent Marquis a, a, a message like, Here's some of the Hasbro stuff, you know, if, if, <laughs> if you could permit. get one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough. But we'll see. We're going to try. <laughs> but uh, Transformers, not really. It, they're uh, releasing their Fort Max, which was the largest Transformers toy back in the day at, wow. at a foot and a half. And they redid them. He's based off of their Metroplex they did a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. You remember how big those Metroplexes? Yeah, I actually have one. I have one. Yeah, yeah I like it. And then ones, right? probably the thing I'm most excited about, and this just because I'm, I think of a huge nerd, is they are doing. Uh, uh, well, one, they're bringing back the GI Joe Transformers crossover sets. Okay. So you get a power glide, you get a rattler as power glide, and you get a hiss tank as sound wave. Mm. Um, but then they're also doing a uh, knee pad too, um, and I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's like shy shom or something like that. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a Japanese company that is like one of the leading tablet producers in either Japan or China. Um, and they partnered with Hasbro to make a sound wave that basically looks like an iPad mini. But it's this other company, you know, but okay. <laughs> it essentially just looks like a tablet. Huh? And so, and it, and they even said it's got the same size, it's got the same heft as one of their tablets, but then it turns into a sound wave, and that's the one I'm kind of excited about. What, a, a sound wave like the Transformer? Yeah. What? Yep. Yeah, it's a partner. It's an official sound wave. It looks much more but it like. It doesn't do a, any a, actual tablet stuff. Of course right? not. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, That's the disclaimer you need on these commercials. <laughs> I was going to call my mom on my transformer, tell her what I finally got. They haven't even moved past like the the most technologically advanced transformer they had is a watch that turns into a robot. The same shit we had when we were a kid. Yeah, they, I had, I had that, that. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. the little. It kind of had the little 
the time on his chest. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah, it was it was just two arms. arms <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <popped> up. <laughs> wow, I had that. Yeah, they haven't done anything anything fancier than that in 35 years, so I wouldn't get your hopes up for a working tablet that transforms. <laughs> <laughs> Man, not even like an MP3 player or something? That's they, they have done MP3 players, you're right. They were oh. released in Japan only, but... Oh. Yeah, you could, you could, um, and I don't even know if it was an MP3 play. It may have just been a speaker, but <laughs> there's, a, there's a USB drive. Yeah, it was, a, it was a thumb drive. <laughs> change into a very awkward Corvette. Yeah. Well, and the thumb All right drive off your laptop. is Ravage. And let's see here. I have him here. Oh, for some reason I thought it came out its ass, but no. <laughs> uh, that was just poop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but uh I mean that's the Hasbro stuff. Um like we talked about Maddie's not even doing like a Masters of the Universe classics exclusive. Mm-hmm. Oh, get this. This'll this'll be a little shocking if anybody's a toy follower. Don't, don't, uh Maddie don't. decided not to do any on site sales this year. Really? What? Yeah. they they put up all of their exclusives for pre-order today if you weren't going to the show, that which is kind of annoying because Marquis is going to be picking me up some things Shit. I thought you could only get at Comic-Con, and now I could have just as easily ordered them from my house and had them shipped to me. So well, does this dilute the meaning about of that. exclusives then? It does. Yeah, it's so weird. So you can still pick up the ones I pre-ordered, of course. But uh, they even said, like, no, you can't cancel uh, pickup ones you've already done. You know, like, too bad we made this decision last minute kind of thing. So I don't know what the hell they're going to have at that. You know, they always have a separate sales booth. They have I don't that know. big booth. Yeah, yeah. make any sense. Because they have their display booth and then they have their sales booth. I don't know what they'll do with that. But Well, so the, one of the things that I that I didn't see until recently was – this hot with this Star Wars Hot Wheels, it was the Death Star Trench Run. Oh yeah, yeah. So that wasn't that on the pre-order awesome. window. Was that, that wasn't. Yeah, when when we did the the voucher sale is what they call it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't something that was available. But now it's on there, and my whole plans was to get to Comic Con early and yeah. get in line for that. So now I can't get it. Well, let me see. Maybe maybe there's a list of. Maybe the stuff that was on the voucher sale is what's is available the, now. Yeah, it's the only stuff that won't be for sale there. God, man. Uh, yeah, I'm just I I do not get what Maddie's doing there. But along that lines, they're doing Thundercats now. They're doing Thundercats classics, and they have a really cool Wily Kit Wily Cat, the little annoying teenager. Uh, ones. Let's well, see. I I think we should. I mean, I know that they have that cool Wonder Woman thing, and she has an invisible jet next to her, and that's kind of yeah. cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but you know, who needs some alternative toys? Because yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, like, now like, it sounds like you have to stand in line at Maddie to not buy anything. Exactly. <laughs> that just. I'm not going to wait in line to not get something. That's ridiculous. So tell me. But, but wait, hold you're, on. But, you're our toy guy. Like, What's tell us about NECA. Tell us about Mezco. Tell us about your friends. 
Okay. Um, well, NECA's doing some cool stuff. They are, they always do really good stuff. Uh, they're doing um, first right now. Their focus with the Alien and Predator line is AVP, the movie, mm-hmm. which is not everybody's favorite. No, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> but uh, they have a really cool what they call a cloaked predator. So he's all clear, but then he has the cool red hologram of that temple where they show how the temple goes a hundred stories underground. Do you remember AVP? I'm trying at all. That's, that's (laughs) the, that's the, like the Antarctic one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. I remember that movie. I've seen the movie, but I don't remember that. It actually, for all the V, you know, something versus something else. I think it was my favorite. Yeah, it's it's not I I like bar, both mm-hmm. franchises and and I I try to find the good in everything. So <laughs> um they're doing from Aliens, they're doing Newt, so the little girl. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. Uh so that'll be a Comic-Con exclusive. And that one they've said it cannot be sold outside of the con due to the licensing. So, so that okay. one is a true Comic-Con exclusive. That's, I love that. Um, and then the one that has everybody really hyped is they do an uh, they do a video game line where they take their figures and paint them to look like video games. So yep, I like, love that line. I have yeah. some of them. And they're doing uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, the arcade game. Oh, I love that game. Oh, the the four person brawler. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. So they have a hundred bucks set that is all four turtles, oh, you know, the and they're painted like they're pixels, you know. Oh, awesome. And then, uh, and then a villain one too, where it's Shredder and two different foot soldiers and something else. The villain one, I was just like, this is dumb. But the turtle ones, I'm super excited yeah, about. for sure. Uh, Mezco, uh, Mezco kind of pissed me off. Their probably best exclusive is they're doing what they call the one twelfth line, and it's this super articulated six-inch line where they actually have clothes, and I would normally consider that a doll, uh, but these clothes are so perfectly tailored to yeah. these figures. It is just absolutely amazing. And what they chose to do was to do the uh, Don Justice Armored Batman as yeah. the exclusive. When it was originally just going to be a regular release, now they're doing it as their exclusive. And so are they going to do like special boxing or anything with it? I don't know. Mezco's not one to do a like real collector, you know. Mezco and even last year they uh, had Neca the um, do special boxes. It's really Mattel and Hasbro um, that pull out all the stops on that ship. Last year, I remember Mezco had the awesome. They had the the Dark Knight Returns um, Batman one twelve, and it was like battle damaged, mm-hmm. and he came with the mutant leader. Who was also mm-hmm. battle damaged, and it had like this, you know, this awesome box, like this. I mean, that was that was a pretty freaking awesome exclusive last year. <laughs> I don't know. This one's not going to match up to that. Yeah, There's probably. No way. Not. This, this is this is not even close. Which uh, which Breaking Bad figure is there? Are they, are they still going to release one? 
I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I saw a, a Breaking Bad. I don't collect um but uh They were barely hanging on to the, you know, Better Call Saul last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um let's see. Uh, oh, anyways, there's... while while I look up the Mezco thing, uh so as we kind of get smaller and smaller, you know, we go Hasbro, we go Mattel, we go NECA, we go Mezco. If you really want to go to that that other end of things. Uh, that alternative. Yeah. Alternative uh, after dark. <laughs> when Mrs. McFavor and I used to go to Comic-Con regularly, we had friends that would help us out, uh, help help us get into the show. Um, they always have a booth there. Uh, let's see. Do they even say which what their booth is? Oh, now I'm on the damn panel page, but... I'll look up their booth number in a second, but their name, uh, their company name is October Toys. October and, Toys, and they produce independent toys. So it's just a husband and wife team. Uh, the husband uh, sculpted for McFarland Toys uh, during the heyday of the Spawn figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and he left McFarlane and started his own toy company. And there's this huge design, designer art toy scene. Um, and they're, and they're part of it. He helps people sculpt their projects and stuff, but they put on a panel every year. And this year it's called independent toy designers from pants to pajamas. <laughs> You're kidding. Which I don't know. the The wife used to wear pajamas all the time, so I don't know if that's where I the think, pajamas. I think she used to. She's that's actually, not a toy making euphemism. There. No, <laughs> they don't just always go around. Hey, hey, Jared from Pants and Pajamas. <laughs> I, I actually, got you, Nigel. I I've I've met her, and I believe even at Comic Con, she's wearing pajamas, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, she used to. That's all she would wear. It was like like purple pajamas for some reason. I'm oh, just anything you could. Oh, okay. Admit. But yeah. when she worked for the you know those big corporate jerks, she had to wear pants all the time. Uh-huh. Maybe I'm that's uh, maybe that's how it is. She, <laughs> when she worked at Hasbro for those jerks, <laughs> those jerks, uh, she just tried to wear a dress once. They're like, no, we said pants. <laughs> when you go to bed at night, you sleep in pants. She's. Had enough. She's had enough, and then and here she is. She's 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 a hero. <laughs> Good for her. So, and where can we find them? So their panel is a uh, Thursday, and of course, like all good independent panels, it's from eight to nine o'clock. Ooh, well, I'll, I'll be up anyway, so <laughs> might as well just stroll on in there. <laughs> and it's uh, thirty-two AB. Um, and here's the elevator pitch here. Uh, learn how independent and freelance toy designers are using their industry experience to create a wide range of unique projects, ranging from small run designer toys to action figures, plush, and more. Join leading toy designers, George Gaspar of October Toys, Nate Mitchell of Good Kids, Inc., Linda Hong of Linda Panda, Eric H. Eric Cornboy Mays of the Four Horsemen and Megan Rothrock, freelance toy designer, as they discuss how their training and experience helps them in every stage of their work, from design to production. Audience questions welcome, moderated by Aileen Gaspar of Toy Break. 
So, yeah, uh, the last time we were there, we went to the, the last time we were there was the first time they had this panel. And it's, it's just so cool. All of these people are just so down to earth. Most of these people don't support themselves fully by doing this. So it really is a labor of love. Um, and some incredible talent, uh, Squid Kids Inc. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the, of the Tendo figures. They're, uh, old NES cartridges that have feet and oh, hands and eyes. Yeah. yeah. And then their label is the art part of it. So they have different artists do different labels and, and people will do homages or do original art. Uh, uh, Corn Boy is from the Four Horsemen. They're the people that uh, have designed and sculpted all of the Masters of the Universe classics. Uh, they've done most of uh, the DC figures, the DC classics. Um, they, what are their big one. They're doing a big one. They did the Ghostbusters figures. I can't remember what their new big one they're doing. And then, of course, they do their own independent line. So some really, really talented people. And they usually do a giveaway because October Toys does uh, what they call OMFG or Outlandish Mini Figure Guys. And so they'll, always, <laughs> they'll do a Comic-Con exclusive run of something, and they'll give them out at the panel. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, although it seems to me like uh, I'm glad that this exists at Comic-Con still, but just the whole idea behind it is the audience they're attracting to a panel like that are people who actually would rather make their own toys than pay for them. <laughs> and Far it, away from the consumer edge that Comic-Con has, has taken on. But so. it probably costs more for them to make their own. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know what I mean? What people like, don't understand. Yeah. yeah, but then you're also driving, you know, unemployed rates in uh, Hong Kong. Skyrocketing. Here. There's this <laughs> butterfly who flaps its wings. <laughs> storm in your mom's basement. Wages are rising yeah. just to attract better talent. <laughs> Three dollars an hour. Look, look, look what they've done. So, so when your friends are all done playing God, <laughs> where, where can we find them? Uh, so there, uh, you can find their site at OctoberToys.com, or they do a uh, a video show, I guess, a, a video podcast, if you would. A uh, podcast. They're they're, they're uh, also famous, by the way. If you're, they're usually on the south end of Comic-Con, it's going to be before you get to Artist Alley. When you get out of the big exhibits, before you get to, to Artist Alley, there's like a little independent toy area. Yeah. And that's Go during the day and not alone. Now, their booth <laughs> is famous for having a life-sized zombie mannequin there. Yeah. And if you, um, I don't know, Google something like... Uh, Touching zombie boob at Comic Con, <laughs> and somebody's got a picture of them touching their boob. Getting right to it, boss. <laughs> Run away, sir. Yeah, so that's going to be. <laughs> cool. yeah. I'll be damned. There it is, right there. 
<laughs> and their uh, their booth is fifty two fifty this year, and they they said literally like where we remember them at Mark. Uh-huh. They said every year they get pushed like another row down. Oh. So <laughs> like they and and I guess it's they were saying it's kind of the same for Artist Alley too, as the the bigger networks tend to take over. That's who they're pushing out. They're like the smokers of the comic convention. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting getting smaller and smaller areas. They're going to put them outside and then eventually (laughs) not even on the sidewalk anymore. uh, They just have to stay in their own car. (laughs) (laughs) So they're playing around selling doodles. Well, that's who, who was I talking to? That's what they were talking about, that they had a plan to try to do that to to do like the food truck the food truck concept but for independent toys at Comic Con. So they would like literally like you say, Mark, drive in the El Barcadero area mm-hmm. back there mm-hmm. and park a thing and they approached Comic Con about like, huh, oh, what about this for a concept? And Comic Con's like we will sue you. <laughs> like you cannot do your own store outside, of, you know, at least somewhere around the con. Of course, tons of companies do off-site events. Yeah, absolutely. Now, but, yeah. But, but, yeah, the Comic-Con put a, a quick uh, well, well, you know, um, I was at Celebration last year at the Anaheim Convention Center, and I've been to a WonderCon there. And as soon as you walk out of the front doors of the Anaheim Convention Center, there's like this little cul-de-sac, and it's full of food trucks. Yeah, there's this long that, parkway that, that yeah. leads up to it. That. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. What if it was all small, independent press, independent toys? Yeah. Oh, that would be sick. they got to do that. No, no, they're just tricking you into voting against your own best interest. <laughs> Stay in the convention Stay, stay where the air conditioning You're is. the ones who started Comic-Con. Don't give it up. Well, but they, they could totally lease the freaking space. They could still make money off of it. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Mm. That's, that's okay. I don't, I, I'm sure... Well, I still feel like I'm getting stepped on as the little guy here. I don't, I don't yes, like Mr. it. Mr. Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> the little guy. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's... So, uh, so, yeah, maybe you get your fill of toy. Become, you become jaded like me. You're eating your your wheat bran cereal. <laughs> you don't want to stand in line uh, for toys, mm-hmm. but you still want to see a panel. Marky, you mentioned some uh, some some panels that yeah, actually might be kind of crowded. You said I said, oh, that's not going to get a whole lot, but you said no, they're big. They do them every year. Yeah, there's there's a whole there's there's panels on soundtracks of TV shows, soundtracks of movies, um, and then there's. Uh, uh, scoring movies, scoring TV, which is you know, a whole different – those are four different things. Those are different things. Yes, those, those are four different things. And then so, – I'd call you a liar, but <laughs> four panels at least to know. And there's one done by BMI, and you guys can go to MattyPRadio.com. Check out that one. Great spot. This is all like the soundtrack stuff. So, um, And every year we always go to this thing. Uh, we typically will go and bring the audio out. Right, or we set up some kind of phone interview after we we brought you our alternative show a couple of years ago. We brought you the Blake Neely episode last year. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yep, 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 he was yep. oh, yeah. composer oh, for yeah. Arrow and the Flash and Supergirl and all the CW shows. But this year we're going to bring the panel to you. 
mm-hmm. right now. That's right. So <laughs> that's right. Despite there are a number of music uh, uh, panels out say, there, mm-hmm. good ones, various little subgenres that are that are full of respected artists, successful uh-huh. uh, uh, musicians, artists, and uh, former guests of ours, guests of ours. Uh-huh. Myriada, but only if you can physically be in San Diego. Exactly. If you can't, well, don't worry, because I set up a little private one just uh-huh. for me, you, and uh, and your and your loved ones in the room. <laughs> exactly. gather, gather them close. <laughs> this is with uh, this is with Peter Axelrad, who is uh, he is going to be a comic by the way. He's going to be there. He is going to be there. He's going to be there. Yeah. Is he just trying to avoid me? No. Okay, I will get to the bottom of this later. You're right. Stay professional, Dan. On point. <laughs> bring it back. Bring, bring it home. He's executive producer for the uh, 75th anniversary uh, soundtrack to the lives DC of Comics, DC Comics, uh, yeah. it's whatever, DC Volume Com- 2. It's DC Comics 75th anniversary special, Volume 2. The entire front of the CD. I don't know how they put that <laughs> yeah. all on there. but They put it on Superman's shoulders, you <laughs> son of a bitch. But uh, we actually talked to him all about uh, putting together a bunch of music that uh, originally was not even his. No. It's, it's harder and more interesting than you think. Plus, it turns out he's a big fan. Let's have a and magic interview machine. Bring this mother out here. Meanwhile. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today we're talking to executive producer of the 75th anniversary of DC's musical extravaganza. It's the music of DC Volume Two. Did I get that right? Volume Two. It's the second volume. Yeah. And Peter Axelrad, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, you can hear the applause. I'm sure. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, so I did the uh, the 75th anniversary music collection about six years ago, and now this week, Volume Two is coming out. So is this the 81st anniversary then? Yeah, what are yeah, you trying to pull? Yeah, it's the 81st anniversary. Well, you know, there was a dis- discussion about making it an 80th, but the issue there is that I don't want to get tied into having, you know, only doing them every five years. Gotcha. Wow. So <laughs> then it's like, well, if we just take out the anniversary idea and make it volume two, then I can put them out whenever I want. That's right. I can't wait for the 75th anniversary of the 75th anniversary That's of right. Volume 1. <laughs> That's right. We'll have that, definitely. You you actually literally cannot wait. You will die. <laughs> You're going to be True dead. that. Yeah. Uh, so so just, just so everybody knows, what obviously there was no music with the actual comic books when DC first came out. Mm-hmm. But starting early on, back in the early radio days, there's plenty of music written for DC productions. So what you've taken is a is a bunch of uh, uh music from soundtracks and radio episodes, TV and, and movies, TV, yeah. and you just put games. it together in a random order, correct? <laughs> Not quite random. Uh-huh. Uh you know, when I put it together, I kind of like to have it be a good listen, you know, that's kind of important if you can listen to it all the way through and have it uh really flow, but then there's so many different characters that I organize it by character. I start with Superman because he was the first one, mm-hmm. and then Batman is the second one, and then after that, it's just sort of a open-ended free-for-all. But each character has their own section. There's a villains section where there's five. Uh, there's two Penguin songs, two Joker songs, and a Lex Luthor song, all in order. And uh, it ends with uh, the Wonder Woman season three theme, which is a disco jam. So it goes out on a high note. I knew that one. I totally grew up with that one. 
yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, Linda Carter Wonder Woman. The Linda Carter yeah. Wonder Woman, yeah. yeah. But in the so the first season of that was in World War Two, and then in the second season they moved it up to the seventies, and the the exposition was the reason that could happen is because Wonder Woman doesn't age. So, yeah. yeah. 30 years back, Linda Carter, just as gorgeous as she was in the 40s. Well, I, I was actually about to say that that exact same thing. Linda Carter doesn't age. <laughs> Linda Carter does not age. <laughs> She's that's so right. gorgeous. Yeah, and absolutely. did you hear that she has been cast as the president in the Supergirl TV series? Really? Boom. Yeah. So oh, season my, two of go. Supergirl <laughs> on the CW is going to have Linda Carter as the president of the United States. Jeez. Uh, is, is her na- is her character name Hillary Clinton? Be <laughs> <laughs> something else. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm I'm hoping that she's actually Diana Prince in disguise and turns into Wonder Woman at some point in the show. Oh, that would be awesome if they did that. Yeah, that so, would be awesome. Yeah, they are, and you heard it here first, folks. Speculative <laughs> <laughs> though it may or, be, <laughs> or she'll spin around and turn into Hillary. <laughs> and then the lasso gets turned on her, and then yeah, oh, right. all right, yeah. gonna, that's right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull hard left here and go back to non. Hard left, I love that. <laughs> uh, uh, where were we? Some about music, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Your job, say, you had to wrangle all of these. You did not compose any of this. I know you don't oh, no. want to give people no, no, the wrong no. impression. I did not compose any of it. This is. Uh, you know, I thought about when I was working on it, I thought about remixes and this and that, but ultimately it's an album for purist collectors. Yeah. So everything is as it was originally, but digitally remastered to sound better. Because going back to the 40s and 50s, you know, the recording technology just wasn't there. And the the sounds are just not as good. And also, oddly at the time, nobody thought that this stuff was going to last. You know, they all had this idea that it was a disposable pop medium, and they didn't really preserve it. They didn't really save it. They didn't think about it that way. That's why the Superman comic number one is like $5 million, because they didn't think that was going to last very long. They were were throwing those away. I remember telling my dad that I was like, you know, that Superman one just sold for millions of dollars. He's like, really? I had one. Oh, God. That's the worst feeling ever. He said, well, I traded it for for a Babe Ruth card or something. And what did you do with the Babe Ruth card? And then his his mom threw that away. (laughs) Yeah, and then his mom threw that away, and that was it. Put it in the spokesman. Then it's gone. I was was with a buddy when I was like, ooh, probably like seven or eight years old, and we we were into, we were really into comics then. And his uncle had like this like old collection, and it was literally in a barn. And this is in oh, he had a barn collection. He actually had a barn collection. And uh, I remember I was like with him when he, and so his like you know his like uncle just pointed this out, and we're like looking through it. And my buddy West, he 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 looks through it, and there's like a Batman number three or something that's in there. Wow. And when he picks it up. It just turns to dust in his hand. <laughs> wow! Because <laughs> it was, you know, it was like in this trunk that's in this barn. Right, it that... wasn't preserved well. It no, was just sort of it just disintegrated I, I, upon touching. He was just like, oh, oh. it was so, so sad <laughs> to oh. be a part of that. You know, that, that is. is, that is. Well, I had a, I had a very good comic book collection from, and you know, I kept everything I had, and I put them all in the bags and the, the backboards and all that nonsense. And I left them at my parents' house in their basement. Now, they'd had floods before, but oh, the flood no. was never more than an inch deep. 
So I put them on a two-foot high shelf. <laughs> oh, hey, that's And that summer they had a three-foot deep flood. <laughs> oh. Destroyed all of them. <laughs> that was brutal. 25-inch flood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, my I could, gosh. Look, growing up, I always had to clean up those basement floods, and they were never more than an inch high. So yeah. I didn't think it would be three well, feet. That breaks your heart. It breaks your well, heart. I've got, well, then I've got a success story for to rub, rub you gentlemen's nose in. <laughs> Um, back when I was a kid, I thought ahead and I bought the, uh, I think number two and number three of what I assumed was going to be a booming successful comic book run. Carbage Pill Kids. And, uh, they are still in, in plastic bags in my parents' attic <laughs> up high. Nice. The attic. That's important. Yeah. Unfortunately, that series was RoboCop. <laughs> I believe it made it to issue four. So you well, have 50%. And well, yes. the more rare, the better. The more rare, the less people have it. That's so. true. Every, every now and then on a, on a drinking night, I'll think, huh, I'm going to go online. I'm going to see if I made yeah. my millions yet. And they've stayed about steady at three ninety five a piece. Yeah. So they're well, like the I did, I did have a right. smaller box in, uh, in my parents' attic as well. And that one I went and I valued. I went on one of those sites where you can value all your comic books. And it turned out that that collection is worth about 75% of what I originally paid for. Oh, so you oh. lost money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lost money. Yeah. And you put storage fees. You're, you're, you're the storage your... fees, yeah. My parents are charging me rent for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so back to this mix. Oh, that yeah. Superman Batman bridge. There's that. I love that. I'll That's, throw that oh, in yeah. before you That's, guys make your point. Well, exactly. And um, that would have been point number two, but let's oh. go ahead and go to that because mm -hmm. there is something that what I think this particular mix did for me is it quickly got me over um, the regret that I felt that in the Man of Steel movie, it wasn't John Williams' music. And I couldn't get ah. over that for the longest time. And then when I'm hearing your mix, I hear, I think it's track number two, because it goes from like the radio drama to track number two, and track number two is from Man of Steel, and I love that music. I mm. love that track. And I didn't notice really how much I liked it until I heard it on your mix. And then it goes from there, and it goes into this um, Ruby Spears where they sampled yeah. the John Williams music, which I believe right. is the true Superman sound. Right. And so what you get to kind of do is you have created this kind of this anthology of the sound of super or the music of Superman. We, you know, we did, we all grew up with this and here it is. It's just kind of laid out for you in like the single, you know, track one, two, and three is the anthology of Superman intros or Superman music. And I just loved that. So thank you for that. Yeah. That's Otherwise, you'll like probably it. just have to watch Man of Steel again to hear Hans Zimmer, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. which a lot of people aren't willing to do. No, so right. you're a hero. You're a folk hero, Peter. So. I think so, too. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. And now point yeah. number two that I like. Oh, well, I would just do want to say it was when Hans Zimmer had to create a new theme because uh, I, I worked on the Man of Steel soundtrack, too. And in an interview, he was saying that he initially turned it down because he didn't want to compete uh -huh. with John mm -hmm. Williams. It's like, how do you how do you match that? So, but I think that the Man of Steel theme, you know, it's really solid. It's, you know, it's solid. a couple of notes, but it's really powerful, and it's totally different mm -hmm. and stands on its own, and I think they sound really good next to each other. I absolutely agree. I mean, and I, I just, I didn't really, again, it's just my bias. It's just my prejudice on this. Right. And, and I, I couldn't get over it. bias, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other little bit of nostalgia, which is what we like to talk about here most of all, is... Um, my dad played guitar and keyboard 
and it was always like rancheras Mexican music. That's what he liked to play. Okay. Mm-hmm. And but the one thing that could make all of us shut up when you know when the kids were being loud and my dad's friends are over is he would play on his guitar. Yeah, and oh my god, and of course I grew up watching that show. And yes, what would the 75th anniversary of DC Comics be without the 66 theme music? Right, oh, it yeah. has to always. There's always going to be a place for that 66 theme. Uh, so on the first one, on the 75th anniversary, I put on the single version that was released as a single, and it's like a three-minute jam mm-hmm. by Neil Hefty. On the Batman theme, on Volume 2, I put on the version that actually appears in the show. Yeah. So it's much shorter. You know, it's like 35 seconds, but it's got the horn stabs representing the punches and exactly yeah. as it played on the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is one of those just little riffs that gets hardwired, yeah. like the Sesame yeah. Street songs. It's Absolutely. No, 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 no. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> it is, actually. Yeah. Sounds like a good mashup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as soon as you hear that music, I mean, there's you don't you don't even have to get to the part where they're saying Batman, yeah. I mean, which is the only lyric in there, I believe, right? Yeah, it is so, the only lyric. Yeah, yeah. really, if they didn't mess it, they didn't muddy <laughs> the water. Yeah, yeah. They don't try to get all narrative on you. But and I saw, yeah. but I also saw, I, I think, as a compliment to that, perhaps you put on was the uh, kind of the same sensibility Robin's theme mm-hmm. with kind of like the surf rock. Yeah. Fast paced. That so, one was since a, you blew your wad on the real Batman theme in <laughs> volume one. <laughs> yeah. Well that was you know, that was done so I did the Batman theme, the long version, and now on volume two I got Batman theme as it appears in the show. So now in the third one, Quite you know, there's bit. actually been a lot of covers. There's a obscure who the who once covered the Batman theme. I gotta hear that. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of other, you know, and like the Robins theme, Sun Ra, in that session, they also cover the Batman theme. So there's a lot of different covers of it, but I wanted to get out, you know, the actual one in the show and the actual single first. Um, The Sun Ra stuff is interesting. That was just sort of a jam session. They, uh, the company was called Power Records, and they licensed the rights to put out Batman and DC-related albums and I got Sun Ra on the Blues Project in the studio, and they said, okay, jam out a bunch of songs about these characters. And so Robin's theme, like the only thing that's mentioned about Robin is that they say Robin over and over again, and that's it. <laughs> I guess but I got it right. It's like a jam. It's like a soul funk jam, and then they go Robin, yeah, and that's about it. <laughs> I could just see the producer real writing Robin on a piece of paper, yeah, yeah, just right. banging the glass. <laughs> So they right, the lyricist just, all right. worked overnight, stayed up all night, that lyricist. <laughs> it's really fun, though. This is a really fun album. I think this is, this is like one of the, you know, you could put this in your car on any kind of road trip, and, you know, maybe you're talking about Superman, you're talking about whatever, whoever's in the in the, in the the car with you. It's just perfect. It just takes you through this. It's, I like to think Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe they're stuck in yeah, traffic. Yeah. You, you never know. <laughs> I, I would love to. I would love to jam out with them to these tunes. Maybe so. I just. Mm. I really. I. This is a lot of fun. And. Uh, oh, I'm glad you like it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, is, are there? Well, for, and now, I mean, I'm sure there's massive uh, licensing issues here, but you know, can oh, we yeah. expect future volumes to have you know maybe a little Prince because I you know he did, he had that he had that great score. Yeah, he has well Prince. And that uh, that score actually has a na 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 Batman in it as well. Um, 
there are a lot of licensing issues with this. I basically started with this huge list, a huge wish list of everything I want, and then trim it down to what I can get, you know, mm-hmm. and what because uh, the rights get pretty complicated, who owns what, and then a lot of the older stuff, people don't even have it anymore. Like, I don't know, there's a contract from 1966, who has that? And so it gets it gets pretty difficult to uh, actually put these things together. Um, Do you know the actual best way to find out who has the contract is release it as a multi-platinum album, and I guarantee somebody will come out of the yeah. (laughs) Let them come to you. That's the best. And they'll come to me and they'll let me know. Hey, exactly. Their their lawyers will call you like that. Yeah, that way you don't miss anybody. Yeah, because, you know, and typically I'm calling lawyers and I don't get a call back, so that's a good idea. Yeah, well, definitely well, call you, have, them. you have to be smarter than the, than the lawyers. There you, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. there you go. All right. Thanks well, for the advice. Well, uh, I really want to thank you for calling us. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh-huh. Uh, I want you to know that uh, we appreciated it and we treated this kind of like a uh, one-man private Comic-Con panel. Yeah. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> Excellent. On the ins and outs of soundtracking, and uh, and I want you to know, I did notice exactly how the album was laid out, uh-huh. and I don't think I would have had the foresight to do something like that. I would have put it together like an iTunes playlist and uh-huh. failed miserably. <laughs> and for those of you that are concerned, yes, Mark Hamill's The Joker is also in this. Yes. Oh, really? yeah. Singing Perhaps Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Exactly. <laughs> the, the most iconic song of all time. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's probably more iconic than the na 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 I think so, too. <laughs> that, one, that one is hardwired. I think I everybody yeah. knows the song we're talking about. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. And Mark and Hamill's voice as the Joker is always great. Mark Hamill is the Joker, just as much yeah, as he, he is, is Luke the Joker. Joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. He broke one typecast for another. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Peter. I appreciate it. We'll let you go back to work uh, securing the rights to, I don't know, the Hopscotch song or whatever else you <laughs> fill up your days with. Yes. Well, thanks, guys. It was great talking to you. What did I tell you, Principal Skinner? This is Scrabuffle. It's time we cut off Simpson's Butterfinger Supply. <laughs> <laughs> Crunchity, peanut buttery burst in every bite of Butterfinger. Nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger. See, there it is again. Just the food industrial complex teaching us that someone <laughs> who is denied a thing deserves it. And he tells them at the end, mm-hmm. nobody better lay a finger, finger on my Butterfinger. Yeah. Well, not not a, not a serial commercial, but uh, pretty pretty close enough. Sweet enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, because the, another another big bombshell alternative uh-huh. that you can find this Comic Con uh, is to actually get out of the building. It's yeah, it's where you you get out of that convention center. Yeah, I know you paid hundreds of dollars to get in there, <laughs> but get out every now and then because honestly, this this Comic Con has spread everywhere, as you even heard. Uh, the Devastator people, they're doing their panel at the library. Yeah. You know, so this thing is everywhere. Actually, our friends, the nobility people, they're actually going to be also doing it at the library. They're going to be doing it they're at the library, uh-huh. too. Brand they're new gonna... library here in San Diego, by the way, everybody. Just a couple years old. Uh, cutting edge. They store books in ways you never thought to store books. <laughs> I, I, I can't let even me look describe at this, it. Uh... Is, is, and while, while I have uh, the intern pull up some information, 
these are just some of the – because I don't think they can charge you money to go into a library. Well, I think that goes against the library code. Yeah, I mean, in this in that particular case, you might have to have a batch to get into the library where they're going to where they're going to do comic con, you know Comic Con stuff. Un-American. Maybe so. Maybe Un-American. So. Maybe so. But one of the things that I'm damn sure of is that if you're in San Diego, or if you live in San Diego, and you and you were one of millions so of people to be here that did not get a pass to get into Comic Con, that doesn't mean you can't have a good time and you can't enjoy Comic Con. No, head you down. could get down to the gas lamp area because there's the alternative to Comic Con is the gas lamp area mm-hmm. downtown San Diego during Comic Con. You're still going to have a lot of the same sites. It's it's amazing down there. I mean, the whole they they block traffic off. You can go into like they'll turn the restaurants into like special themed. Like this one will be the you know the the the, the Farscape the cafe at Farscape yeah on the air. <laughs> yeah I mean and they totally theme it out and you can walk in and out of there they're gonna take your money they don't care mm-hmm. you know they're, they're yeah have the freaking have the nobility cheesesteak yeah go ahead it's all right it's all right um, but it's not made of seals <laughs> it may not be sometimes there's so much to see at Comic Con it is a struggle just to organize it. And that is that is why we are doing as a public service. That's what we're talking about here. One of the one of the things, aside from nobility, which we'll mention, where you can check them out, is uh, you can go down to the Chuck Jones Gallery. That's you know Chuck do. Jones yeah. is slick. You know who Chuck Jones is? That name ring a bell? No, sorry. Oh, that's a shame. He's a a, a big time animator from like way back yeah. in the day. All like the old like Bugs Bunny, Mel Blanc era. Yeah, yeah. Chuck oh. Jones was one of was one of the granddaddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I assume from San Diego. That's why I think he's got a a gallery here and one up in Oceanside. Yeah, I don't know if he's from here. Doctor Seuss is from here. That's true, and that's yeah. why the Doctor Seuss I think has a, it's a that's in La Jolla gallery up in La Jolla. But Doctor, like um, the the actual Chuck Jones Gallery, um, a lot. It's 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 there all year round. It's in the it's in like the heart of the gas lamp area. It, when you're walking past the the uh, windows of it, you'll see this this art, real art, Bugs Bunny. Wiley Coyote, right? Yeah. It'll, it's like, and it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's well framed. It's real art. Or they'll have like the original cells or the original sketches from Chuck yeah. Jones. Stuff or that is actually very valuable. Very expensive. Say, it has yeah. a gallery in the in the heart of Gaslight. Exactly. San Diego. Yeah. If they, if yes. they can pay your rent there, yeah. and they'll do stuff. They're in business for real. And they'll they. They do stuff every year for Comic Con. They'll they've done like an Alex Ross thing, and then yeah, Doctor Seuss, who is also from San Diego, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'll have a lot of his stuff in there too. Yeah. Well, uh, this, this this year is very special. Go ahead. That's right, yeah. and that's uh, because it is the first art exhibit for this particular artist. Pretty impressive. You get yourself and Chuck Jones in the gas lamp of San Diego during Comic Con. Uh, that's, that's quite a feather in the hat of, of this year, the hat of Nancy Cartwright. The voice of Bart Simpson. The voice of Bart Simpson. And it's going to be her first ever art exhibit. Wow. Well, that's, that's um, I mean, she's been doing art for a while. She's been into sculpting, and now she uh, this, this thing called reverse painting. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had the privilege of talking to her recently, and we're going we're gonna to play much more of this interview uh, at a later time, but... Just so you know, you can go down and see her and her uh, artwork at the Chuck Jones Gallery 
Saturday, July 23rd, I believe, uh, head down there and check it out because I asked her to explain kind of what we would see, and this is what she had to say. Right now what's going to be on display down there is another medium that I have found such pleasure in uh, doing and learning more and more about it, and, and I call it reverse painting, and it's very similar to how animation, traditional animation is done, hmm. where you take, you know, an animation cell and you, you know, draw the outline of what it is that you're going to do, and you paint it on one side, but you view it on the, the reverse side. So I have to think sort of backwards as I'm laying down, for example, a Campbell's soup can, I've got to lay down the letters tomato or Campbell's before I put the red background on it. You know what I mean? Cause because, uh, because you're covering it up, what you're actually doing. For the other side, it's going to be the first layer or the right. top layer. Okay. That's right. Why it's would you make it so silly. hard on yourself? I don't find it hard. I find it like I, I really like it. It kind of – I have to really – I have to look at what it is that I'm doing and visualize the colors. I have to kind of, you know, it's like I'm designing this. How am I going to do this so that it will communicate exactly what I want it to communicate? And um, I think some people might find it hard, but uh, the pieces are, they pop. When you put the colors on the acrylic, they, they just pop out. And I think they look really, really pretty. And the fact that it's reverse painting and it was inspired by animation, which is my field, um, I'm curious how people will take it. You know, I've, I've done pieces that are the same size as an animation cell. They're like 11 and a half by 12 and a half inches. And I do these portraits of these smiley heads. And then I, I attacked some of the, the masters. I did a Starry Night by Van Gogh and Bull of Roses by Renoir and Andy Warhol. I did a triptych of Andy Warhol's Campbell's Soup Can. And you'll have to see it to, to get it, but I make a bit of a statement on our culture. And, um, but that's a three-piece triptych. Um, and I don't know. I'm just I'm having fun discovering what, that I am far more capable as an artist than I ever imagined I was. And I think everybody actually has that ability, but people just don't take the time to not only find it, but then cultivate it. And there you go. That's a little tease of the uh, of the Nancy Cartwright, Bart mm -hmm. Simpsons. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're uh, in San I'm Diego, hoping we can we can do a whole show just about that. But uh, you'll hear more. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's, she deserves her own show. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, but if you are in town on Saturday and you can't get into Comic-Con, that's okay. Get your butt to the, you know, get down yeah. to the gas lamp. You could go into the Chuck Jones Gallery. Um, I don't know if you can get into this particular event, but you could look through the window. Yeah. And you could see Nancy Cartwright in person. That's right. It's a that's gallery. Right. Big, big And if you window. do somehow make it in, you might even get to meet her and yeah. see her art. And, exactly. And finally, you'll realize she's more than just Bart Simpson. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we were going to say something about nobility. And, of course, nobility. You know, we've been following them for years. And uh, here, here is a chance where you might even be able to get to see some finished nobility. Uh -huh. Which I've uh, seen, I've seen it finished before, but it, wasn't, it, was, it was finished but raw. Okay, so not, right. not, not finished in the sense that most people who speak English say finished. Yeah, 
But now, in theory, it might be a really finished, unraw, exactly, fully cooked episode. Exactly, that's what I think. Available as a screener uh-huh. uh, on Friday, and this is down at the library, like yep. you mentioned, the, the, uh, the new the Morgan Pavilion or mm-hmm. something. It's it's right next to Petco. You can't miss it. Can't miss it. It's, can't it's miss the it. coolest looking building. It's a big dome it is. on it. It's brand new. Beautiful. And if not, and if you can't make it down to the library, if if all you know is a convention center, you can still find them at their booth, nineteen forty nine. That's a cool number, 1949. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's nobility. Keep an eye on them because, you know, at this point, it's become a fun game. <laughs> it's like trouble. I don't, I don't know where, where else you're going to see them for a while. But uh, you, spot them, you spot them at Comic-Con. You'll be able to see EJ and the whole gang. Uh, let's see. Hopefully, we can make it there. But you've already seen the screening, right, Mark? No, yeah, I'm gonna definitely try to make it there. Yeah, there's you know, Friday's a busy day, and to get me to go off site in the middle of of, of a Friday is gonna be yeah, hard to that, do. That, yeah. yeah, that's I mean, at night. I'm I'm gonna be all over that place, but in the day, it's there's yeah, air. that's eleven o'clock. I you park underneath the convention center. Um, I go. I mean, I really don't like to see the sunlight on a Friday. Uh, it's not going to happen. All right. Well, uh, well, there you go. There's so there's a whole slew of alternative ideas for you if you're listening to this on the long drive out to San Diego from wherever you started your 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 uh, your pilgrimage. Uh, keep these in mind because remember, Comic Con more and more every year is about compromise. Time management, true budgeting, and giving up on the idea that you're getting into Hall H. <laughs> it's not going to happen. That's why you need an alternative. That's exactly right. So that's why we did this as a public service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, we want to thank our good friend Slick McFavorite. Check out Open Your Toys, which I don't know. Is there any big announcements you have for, for I, the podcast? Yeah, Slick, uh, you, go ahead. Say it. Yeah, yeah, it looks like uh, we're going to be partnering with the Maddie P Podcast Network and going to be syndicating our show on your guys' feed. Yeah, Woo! all you got to do, all all you got to do to find it is you can, well, you can go on the Maddie P Radio website. That's always there for you. Uh, or if you are fans of Blog Talk Radio. And there are so many out there. There's a bunch of shows out there. Um, Blog Talk Radio, just go to blogtalkradio.com. And you're going to open it up. It's going to be a beautiful, wonderful, colorful page. And on the search, you could go you could using it. HTML, I yes, assume. Yes, uh. yes, HTML backslash backslash colon. <laughs> uh, yes, it's easy. Um, no, no, when you're on Blog Talk Radio, then you just you can just search, search Maddie P Radio, search Saturday Morning Serial, and now you can search Open Your Toys. It'll be there. You, uh, before, before now, you've never been able to do this. No. It actually, starting soon, actually, right now, for the you first still time can't ever, <laughs> starting soon, for the first time ever, you will be able to. We're so excited! Uh, very to have excited. Them on. One yeah. one hostile takeover at a time. We here at Maddie P will own everything. Yeah, we're starting <laughs> off. Yes, you got to start from somewhere. Yes. Yeah. So so welcome welcome to the flock. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Mm-hmm. It's and that that is weird because I think Open Your Toys has been on. Many years longer than anything <laughs> at Matty P. Ray has done. So, so we really, we really have to thank you for coming aboard. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. This will be. Uh, I think is it. I can't. I can't ever remember if it's August or October. Uh, one of those ah uh, months. Uh, 
But uh, it'll be our eight-year anniversary. Congratulations! Ooh. That's kind of crazy. And this is this this is gonna this might be I don't know is this the first simul podcast? Has anybody done that? Where you're gonna release your show on two different podcast networks? That's crazy. Oh, is no, that even allowed? It, you can't even least... do that. Did the federal government pass something against that? You can, but you have to wait until after dark. <laughs> <laughs> At least in in my community of podcasts, everybody's so freaking incestuous. Like ah. it's ridiculous. Like pretty much all the big all the big uh, podcasts have people from another big podcast in the same community. So, absolutely. But uh, yeah, this will. I'm I'm honored to be on such a prestigious network by far. Because, like I say, for the most part, we're pretty hardcore action figure. Like we don't do interviews. Uh, we we talk how it is in the toy collecting community. Uh, and Warts and all, goddamn it! it. Story, exactly. Stories from the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to be on a on a network that has uh, such great guests and such great content will be definitely an honor for us. Yeah. From Ray Dong Chong to Corky from Life Goes On to Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. <laughs> Iron Mike himself. <laughs> I don't know. Corey should... Feldman. I <laughs> uh, see. I was afraid. Alan might Tudic. Keep naming them. Okay, no, there's that's, that's a good awesome. one. That's I a good love one. that one. And coming next week or interview. soon enough, Nancy, Nancy Cartwright. Cartwright. That is correct. Oh, what great oh, days Barstow. are ahead! Absolutely. <laughs> Thank yeah. you guys. I, this is a this is a semi tradition when we're all together for the Comic Con Spectacular or preview and now alternative show. Uh, you know, it's we're coming on our fourth or fifth year to the, of doing this too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is this is awesome. I like this is just as much a part of Comic Con as preparing for Comic Con as yeah. Comic Con <laughs> is itself. I mean, it's, this is amazing time. The anticipation and the, you know, these are the good moments. You guys are catching us right on the cusp of this thing happening. We're recording this on a Monday. You're going to hear this, I think, on a Wednesday, and Comic Con's going to blow up, and yeah. it's going to happen. That's right. Yeah. So everybody, everybody who's just had this playing on an iPod dock while you're packing up your uh, your backpack and getting your, uh, your your poster tubes all all yeah. organized, all oiled. Yeah. <laughs> Get your walking shoe, good check, shoes. Check in which pair of of walking shoes you're going to uh -huh. wear today. Mm -hmm. Putting some snacks in the back mm -hmm. pockets of the backpack. Hey, now we need you to get pumped. When I say SD, you say CC. SD. CC. Okay, let's let's tighten that up again. When I say SD, you say CC. SD. CC. He's a little late. This could be again, a satellite uh, again, delay. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. Slick is broadcasting from the moon. <laughs> we did good. We did. We done good. We done good. All right. All right. Good enough. I said, I'm. Yeah. Why not? I'm fucking pumped. Sure. All right. Hey, I, hey. I get to eat Cheetos for like four days now. Okay, everybody. I think. I think. That's about enough of this. Hell That's yeah. enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this. Okay. Wait, Finally. wait, that wait. Was, mm. Did that even work? Did that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. No, I think it was great. Okay, good.